Hello, hi, it's Rona with Road Trip to Wellness. I am your host, and we are here with your movement created to encourage and inspire the union and action of healthy ideas as you navigate your own personal journey on your health and wellness. Again, my name is Rona Dixon, I am your host, and today we are talking all things maternal and child health. So as you know, I've shared a couple of times that um, I've encountered many people along my own road trip to wellness. Um, I've been in the wellness industry for a very long time and I've encountered, encountered some amazing, amazing people. And in 2016, 2017, I met uh, an amazing young woman uh, and she came to work with me at a nonprofit agency and was a force to be reckoned with really changed my mind about many, many things that had to do with nutrition and the way I thought about food. Uh, and so we joined forces and jumped into our community health work together. Um, from there, she left and she is now a new mother. And with new eyes, she is navigating her own personal road trip uh, as a mother, um, as an African-American mother uh, in a time where we are dealing with a pandemic and also um, racial unrest and civil unrest uh, everywhere across the world. Uh, so it is an amazing time um, for all of us. Um, it is an interesting time, but it is also a very, very scary times, I think, especially for a new mother. Uh, and so we're gonna hear from Shelby Royster today. Shelby is a health coach. Uh, but she is also a breastfeeding consultant with the Indiana State Department of Health. So we are going to hear from her today, um, hear what her thoughts are on navigating her own personal road trip as a new mother. Um, looking forward to hearing from her. When you hear from us again, you'll hear from Shelby Royster. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, we are back, and we are here with Miss Shelby Royster. Hi, Shelby. Hi, Rona. Thank you so much for having me. I'm no, so I've been waiting to get you here, so I'm super excited, super excited to have you here in my home and just to be around you because I miss you. I worked with Shelby for a long time. Well, not a long time. It seemed like a long time. Um, but as I shared earlier, Shelby is a force to be reckoned with, I'm telling you. Um, as I also said, she is extremely knowledgeable when it comes to uh, food and nutrition and how it really affects our body. Um, so Shelby, can you tell us a little bit about your road trip in that capacity before we move into um, your maternal and child health work now? Um, but just giving us a little bit of background on um, your own personal road trip, you know, how you got here, where you're headed, where you're going, where you are now, all of that jazz. Oh gosh, yeah. So... I started out in this journey actually in culinary school. So that was the first time that I was ever um, introduced to the idea of where food came from. And so I had a teacher who was really adamant about us understanding how our food got to the table, mm -hmm. not just who's cooking the food and how it's cooked, but where does it come from before it even gets to you? And that was the first time I thought at all about how gets to you and it was really interesting to me and really terrifying to me how our food is um, farmed in America whether it is produce or animals and it just really got me on a path to being more mindful about where my food is coming from 
I worked at a um, healthy grocery store for a while and they had a lot of education around health foods and what foods are good for you. They really wanted us to be able to embrace the people who are coming in and explain to them why spirulina is good for them. Mm. Um, I actually worked in the bakery but they still wanted everyone to know and be able to help so that kind of furthered my education and I started working at a chiropractic clinic and they were all about holistic health I did marketing for them and I connected us with a holistic health group in the city and just hearing all of their stories and all of the different ways that they were holistic health practitioners, whether it was massage therapy um, or being like a naturopathic doctor, mm. it was just so interesting to hear their perspectives on the body and all of the food that you put in your body, whether it's soul food, uh, your spirituality, the people you're around, the energy that you absorb. I had never really considered all of that as being part of my health. Oh. And so I actually decided to get my health coaching certification while I was there because I was teaching nutrition to our clients. And we were in a suburb of Indianapolis. And so I was fortunate enough to have clients who were also fortunate enough to pay for this information. And I felt really bad about that because I felt like they could get it from other places, right? Mm. So they're hearing it from their practitioners, you know, through their really great healthcare. And I just wondered if my people were getting it from there mm. and people who are part of the black community were having that same experience and I knew that they weren't. And when you look at health disparities, and when I looked at it more in depth, I could clearly see that Absolutely. I was not the only one who didn't understand how food and how um, stress especially has an effect on your health. Mm. So for myself, I decided to um, cut carbs for a while. I've eaten pretty much every kind of kitschy diet that there's been, whether it's paleo or carnivore or keto, vegan. Carnivore? Yeah, carnivore. That's right? not a diet, is it? it Shelby. It's a thing. I did not do it for very long. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, people just eat meat and nothing. And like spices is like 1% of it. But it's like 90% of your plate. 99% of your plate is meat. It's okay. insane. I'm not even going to get into that because exactly. I have questions around that. And it's in, not a health coaching in, talk. <laughs> so okay. I just went all around and... Working there, I just decided it was just so stressful. I felt like it, I was in a, a very emotionally toxic environment and mm. relationship with my bosses. Um, so I needed something better. And that's actually when I was introduced to you by Colleen, mm -hmm. who had on before. And um, through, I don't know, just perfect timing, you had a position open up. We started working together. And that allowed me to start working with uh, the population that I really wanted to help, which was people who were not getting the information anyway, our underserved community, uh, especially people of color. So this was all a part of my health journey because it taught me something really important about myself. Other than really loving food and being able to cook has always been an outlet for me. It's always been a way to de-stress. She's a really good cook. I love to. That's what I miss the most about working with you. <laughs> you I always got a good lunch. <laughs> I, I always had a good lunch. I know. I would go home. We only had an hour. Yes. I would still drive myself Go home. to Carmel and get the lunch. Right. So it's what I'm saying. I'm going to lunch. I'm like, okay, that's fine. You go right there. <laughs> I always knew. Uh, I was just like, do you want something? 
whatever you cook, whatever you make is fine. Yes. She's an amazing cook. Especially when we had really stressful days. It was just so good to like go home, <laughs> get into the garden, cut some collard greens, go inside, cook them, and just bring back soul food. Yes. Here is some serious soul yes, food. Yes. But um, I realized that I'm very empathetic, which is something that I've always known about myself. But I've never understood how that had an effect on my health mm. until I started coaching because I absorb other people's energy mm -hmm. and I know when I can see in their face and their demeanor that when they leave me they feel lifted they feel better and I feel worse yes and it takes everything out yeah. of we me. caught that pretty early on I think yeah so what have you been doing then um, since then? Are you coaching still? Are you doing some of that still? I'm not coaching in an official capacity, but I am always the coach mm -hmm. and the knowledge base. So I help people. I talk to people, but I'm not having um, intentional coaching conversations yeah. because I, I had not learned how to balance it in my mm. life. And it just became a stress on me. Um, which is really unfortunate. I would love to be able to get to a place where I could balance that out and not take all of that energy on. Mm -hmm. But I just, I don't know how to stop myself from doing that. Mm -hmm. So until I can figure out how to put up a barrier, I, I haven't gotten And it is, it. it's, it's hard work. Um, and we'll talk about that piece a little bit more, just um, that burden. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's heavy when you're wanting to help and heal people um, because I feel like that's what we do is very healing work. Yeah. Um, but it is a very heavy load to carry. And I think um, people don't truly understand that um, when you're working with people and they're poor. I mean, you're helping people. I mean, they come to you with some of the worst problems that you can, you know, think of. Um, you know, we've dealt with all of that, but it is it can be very, very, very heavy. Did you do anything? Do you remember doing anything when you were coaching um, that was helpful um, to kind of help you get through the as best as you could, you know, without really knowing? Because um, I do feel like it was still early on, you know, you're, you're still trying to figure out what is happening. I don't know right. what's going on. Um, and, you know, now that I'm, I couldn't balance well, um, but at that time, you know, what were you feeling and what did you do to even get through that? I had to put up barriers. Mm. And as someone who's highly nurturing and empathetic, I didn't feel right putting up the barriers because I want to be the warm arms that you can go into all the time. I don't want to have to stop you and say, hey, I can't accept that right now. Mm -hmm. um, but it also was a lot of allowing um, and making my clients or that would come to me hold themselves accountable and instead of being their accountability you know if you come to me and you tell me that you're really upset because uh your kids are overweight and mm -hmm. you can tell that they don't have any energy and then you tell me that for breakfast every day they have you know three bowls of fruit loops and pop tarts and coaster strudels and, and i tell you okay yeah right okay so let's find something healthier to eat um can you incorporate vegetables into breakfast? Can you make a smoothie? How can you make it fun for them to have fruit instead of fruit loops? Mm -hmm. And if week after week you're coming back to me saying, oh, I'm so sad about this. And, you know, my kids are still have no energy. They're still eating fruit loops for breakfast. You know, at some point I have to say, okay, I understand you're upset, mm -hmm. but I need you to have some accountability in taking the steps 
to move forward. Absolutely. So I think that's part of it. And then there's also, if you know that you are somebody who is empathetic and who's going to absorb the energy, then part of it was accepting that and holding space afterwards. Yes. So when I was working at the chiropractic clinic, which was different than when I was working at the um, nonprofit with you, was I was seeing clients back to back to back mm -hmm. to back all mm -hmm. day. So there was no break. And when I had the opportunity to kind of change the schedule a little bit, I made sure that I had a break. I can't see seven clients in seven hours. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. have to take a moment to decompress. Maybe yes. if I know that Reset, you're one of regroup. those clients who's really heavy that day, it's just one. Because the effect that it was having on my body mm -hmm. was... I remember that. Yeah. It it's really very, surprising. It you is. You get sick, you stay sick so long. <sighs> and I don't think that people realize that, you know, food has so much emotion built into it. And mm -hmm. I know we've had this conversation. So um, when you're having conversations with people about food, it is very emotional. Mm -hmm. And people would never understand that about health coaching. They're like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. You're taking on all of this energy. People exactly. are crying to you about mac and cheese. Like, yes, people are crying to me right. about the emotions that they have that mm -hmm. are associated with food. So um, my journey kind of moved on when we started working with the uh, femur group here, the fetal and infant mortality review. Mm -hmm. And I just learned so much working with you from you and then from all the experiences that you allowed me to have. And being a part of that and just learning about our maternal and infant mortality rates in this state was horrifying. I remember the first time we heard it, Shelby. I, I think we were sitting in Dr. Jack's office and we were like, what? Yeah. I mean, when he said that some of our zip codes I know. I knew were worse that. than third world countries that are at war for black women yes. and babies dying. Right here in Indianapolis, Indiana. Yes. Indianapolis, uh, up north. Yep, Gary, Fort Wayne, yeah. Lake County, I'm just, I, I was floored. And I have always thought that working with matriarchs was the best way to affect a family because in our family systems here and mm -hmm. for the most part across the world, right, the mom is the matriarch, she does the grocery shopping, she does the cooking, she affects through trickle down the way that her family works and then the families that bloom from her family work. So the best way to affect a whole family's change to me has always been to affect the mother. Absolutely. And so when we learned about that, it just kind of pushed me to want to do work where I'm helping mothers and children, which, you know, not directly, but brought me back to WIC. Um, but I also think that was a really important part in my journey because it taught me to advocate for myself mm. and knowing what I know about the history of black women's health, not being prioritized about the current statistics and how black women are more likely to die from heart disease yep. than any other race. Black women are more likely to die during childbirth mm -hmm. than any other race, but we're also more likely to be told that we're not in pain. Absolutely. I mean, there are textbooks that still say that black women experience less pain than white women do and that is a mentality that came from slavery it's a mentality that came from the first gynecologist who would study on black women without any anesthesia i don't even think my expression has changed since you said those words i'm just like <laughs> yeah and he would just experiment on black slaves and um then he would go on so 
to me, it's crazy even to just go back to that, that the basis of modern gynecology is black women's bodies. Mm. And yet we are still dying more than white women are. Absolutely. How? You know, how is that even possible? Absolutely. And there's so many answers to that. But as a black woman, it was important to me then to always advocate for myself. And I don't think I realized because I feel like we live this kind of duality of existence. And, you know, we live each day where we just try and get by. Absolutely. And so you're just going to go and talk to your coworkers and you're going to go to the grocery store and you're talking about the next Netflix show and you're not really acknowledging your blackness on a surface level where you can, you know, focus on it. And then there's the other part of your existence where, of course, you're always black and right. you're always looking around your shoulder and you're always driving a little bit more cautiously yes. and you're always wondering if the reason that they're looking at you that much longer is because of your skin and because of the way that they perceive you. And being a mom and being pregnant, that duality kind of shifted. I just, there was no way that I could suppress being black. It was at the forefront of everything that happened to me. So where in my health journey before, anytime something um, would come up, if I had a lump in my breast, which right. I had, if I um, felt like my mind was foggy or there's just a pain that's not normal and the doctor says, it's nothing, it's nothing, it's nothing. I don't think I ever before considered that it was because I was black that mm. they weren't listening to me right but once I became pregnant and once I knew the statistics I was completely aware of the way that I was treated as a result of my blackness mm. and so I went to one hospital system here and I, I won't call them out but I you know walked through the doors and at the time I had just moved back from California so I had lost my really great insurance so I was paying cash and because my new insurance hadn't kicked in yet and we walked in, I walked in with my husband at the time, and the way they treated us was like we were just roaches who had walked in there. Just disgust. Once they looked at my chart and saw that we were paying cash, the woman just didn't even look up from her desk and she was like, you can pay over there. Just like shoot us along. Because you were paying cash? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Right. And it wasn't, a, it was like $600. So, I mean, I'm paying cash. I have the money here. Right. So I don't understand what the problem is. You're not going through insurance. You're getting all this money up front, well, right? I would have walked out. Right. So, <laughs> $600. And that's what everybody was like. You don't have to go to this appointment. You need to just wait. But I was like, no, I need to go to all of these appointments. Mm -hmm. I need to know what's going on. I need to know that this pregnancy is going okay from this moment now and so we ended up paying and we went into um, the back room and met with the nurse and she was just so flippant and I don't feel like she gave us great information I can't even remember her mentioning breastfeeding and maybe it was because it was really early like eight weeks um, but also I just I didn't feel like she was having good conversations with us about our health about my health with the baby and I just remember her emphasizing a lot about WIC and Medicaid, which I work for WIC. So it's great, right? I love that they're talking about WIC. I just hope they're talking about it with all their moms. Absolutely. And not just their black moms mm -hmm. who are walking through the door. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I do want to ask a quick question mm -hmm. um, just about um, 
if we can park right there. If we're thinking about that, you were saying um, you're talking about basically access. Right. So do you feel like, well, not even do you feel like, if you felt that way, Shelby, and you could pay, mm-hmm. right? And they were presenting all of these because we're from the club, and I, I do believe you you were adamant about you know with your training and when you can give people all of the options, right? Um, let them know all of their options. Don't just feed them just this one thing and tell make them feel like that's where they have to go. Give them all of the options. So, do you feel like um, or what would somebody have done in this hospital system, not knowing the information that you knew? Yeah, that horrifies at me. all. It, I mean, how would they advocate for themselves? So this is a this is a teachable moment right here. I feel like this is like an educational moment, knowing what you know, um, and us being road trip to wellness being a, a space where people can come to for simple practical solutions. What do you feel like in that moment that mom should be doing? You know, especially. Um, I can't even say if they don't know the questions to ask, you know, I, I just, at that time, I mean, I have a 17 year old niece who just had a baby and I have another niece is getting ready to have a baby and they're young moms. My sister was a young mom, um, who didn't know the questions to ask, right? Didn't know, didn't, didn't have the correct knowledge or the statistics to walk in with. Um, so what should they be doing or what should they be knowing where can they get the information to even be ready? Just do your research. I There are so many books out there. Go to the library. I had friends who just gave me books and friends of my mom's who just gave me books and read. Like, And I know that that sounds like, I don't know, if you're 17, do you really want to read all mm-hmm. of these books mm-hmm. about parenting? But it is so important for you to educate yourself. And if you get in the room and you still don't know the questions to ask, if you at any point feel uncomfortable about the information that's being presented to you, ask about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't really understand that. Can you repeat it? Right. Just that simple. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's it. Or I really didn't catch what you said. Can you just explain that to me one more time? And can you point to me... What did you just say? Can you show it to me on the sheet again? Right. Because they give you all of this information knowing that you're probably not ever going to read. Absolutely. Um, and pay attention. But don't be scared to just speak up. You don't have to have the right words. You don't have to know all of the statistics. You don't have to know all of the facts and figures to ask a simple question. If you don't understand it, just ask about it. And if you are uncomfortable, not just with the information that you're being presented, but with how you feel, then speak up. Speak up loud and do not let them silence you. They are there for your help. Absolutely. And there has actually been this great movement that I've seen on social media lately And I think it started from one woman tweeting about how um, she went to the doctor and she wanted to get a MRI because she was having these awful headaches or, you know, something was happening that she thought that she had an aneurysm. And there's, I don't remember the statistic of black women dying from aneurysms and how much, Mm. you know, more likely it is than white women, but she felt compelled like she needed to get this MRI and make sure she was okay. And her doctor kept saying, no, 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 no. So she said, okay, well, I need you to write on my chart that you rejected me getting this MRI. Mm. 
And so then, of course, the doctor says, all right, all right, we'll do it. Because then it's, you're accountable. Absolutely. I asked you for this. Now, if something does happen to me, now it's you on my knew. file that you decided to ignore what I said. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's one way of going about it. Mm -hmm. I've seen that people have done that moving forward mm -hmm. after this tweet came about and they've gotten results that way. You just have to hold doctors accountable. They are there to take care of Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And there is, you are the best doctor for your body. And I know my mom used to teach us this all the time. If something doesn't feel right, yep. it's your body. I can't tell you that your stomach doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's your body. If your stomach hurts and you know you didn't just eat a huge bag of candy, then you need to tell me so yes. that I can see what's wrong. So it's the same thing, and especially, especially when you're pregnant. Because, yes, there are all of these articles that will either tell you that that ache you're having in your left leg is totally normal and it's connected to the baby sitting on your spine some way. <laughs> But if it makes you uncomfortable, mm -hmm. then you go to your OB and you say, I'm having this leg pain and it does not feel normal to me and I want you to check it out. You just have to push. Yeah. And if you don't feel comfortable doing it for yourself, then you bring someone who's comfortable Absolutely. doing it for you. I think there are a lot of hospital systems now that are not including doula services. Yes. And that's a wonderful way mm -hmm. to have somebody who knows the right questions, who knows how you should be treated to be there with you. Um, what do you feel about community health workers or community health leaders that are again, with... I think that's great mm -hmm. because if you don't know the questions to ask, you know, they know the questions to ask. They at least know if something is not right or they'll know how to explain it to you. If, you know, your doctor is talking in crazy medical terms mm -hmm, and you mm -hmm, just don't mm -hmm. get it, they can break it down for you. But I think even if you just think about your comfortability level, going into a room with a doctor who may or may not care that much about you. And I liked to believe that all doctors want to help and maybe sometimes they just don't have the tools or the cultural competency mm -hmm, to do so. Mm -hmm. um, but having someone else in the room with you will make you more comfortable, mm -hmm. whether they speak or not, whether they're the ones speaking up or not. So they can advocate for you or they can just be there so that you can advocate for yourself. Right, right. Wow, that is, yeah, it gives you a lot to think about. Um, like I said, especially when you're thinking about younger women who are um, not as knowledgeable and new to motherhood mm -hmm. and don't have the support um, that other people may have. Um, I just think it's imperative that um, they're taught very early to advocate for themselves. Um, but that's, that's hard. That's hard, too, because I think there's so many barriers also. Um, to that, even that, you know, we're, we're afraid, you know, right. we don't think they're going to be believed, you know, all of the things that you said just is, it's, you don't want to seem angry, you don't want to seem nagging, you don't mm -hmm. want to seem uneducated, and I felt all of that, and so after I left the first hospital, um, we both decided that we were never going back there, Wow. and actually his best friend is a doctor, and his wife is an OB uh, at one of the hospital networks here and I at first was like I'm not she's not gonna be my OB that's so weird like she's a family friend I don't want her down there and 
after my experience there, I was like, you know what? Who better to be mm-hmm. my OB mm-hmm. than somebody who already cares about me? Yes, yes. And it was the best decision I made for a lot of reasons. And I, you know, she streamlined me so that I was with her at every appointment for the most part, instead of seeing a bunch of different doctors. But I did see that you see a bunch of different doctors or you see your OB a couple times, but mostly you're seeing nurse practitioners for the average person, which I think is another problem with having too many Mm. clients and not enough doctors Mm -hmm. is that you don't have that like continuity of service. So they don't know what's going on with you. You hope that they're reading your chart, Mm -hmm. but I've heard Mm -hmm. from a lot of people that that's not always the case. Is there anything that you can do then? And that's, I keep going back to, because like I said, you're a new mom. And if I'm thinking about, you know, my nieces, Mm -hmm. you know, or any other person that is a young mom, um, how am I supposed to, they're not, they don't know that. Oh, you yes. know what so I mean? So when you walk in and there was, I saw one nurse practitioner in my prenatal care uh, that was not my doctor and she was nice and she didn't really, I could tell she didn't really read my chart until she saw that I was associated with this one doctor. Um, and she, but I made sure that she knew what was going on with me. And I think that's a really great thing is not to feel rushed. Mm. So, you know, they schedule it so that each doctor has 15 minutes with each patient and you don't want to feel like you're taking up people's time. Take up the time that you need to. <laughs> if it takes you 30 minutes to sit and explain to the doctor or the nurse practitioner that you're in the room with that in the last five appointments, you've had headaches and now you're coming here and this is what the doctor told you to do with the last few visits and this is what you've done. Like, don't feel bad rattling off your health history right. because it is all important. And if they don't know, then it gives them perspective and they need to have that perspective because if something is wrong, they need background to understand what's happening. Mm. Um, and it just, you know, unfortunately, the idea that you have to prove your case for getting the care that you need, um, you can do that if you give them some background on what's going on. Mm-hmm. But just always, you know what's going on with you. And so if you feel like they're being dismissive, then make sure that you stop them and say, listen, this is what's happening with me. This is what has been happening. I know I haven't seen you, and so you don't know me, but I need you to understand You need to, you know, I know that they don't have a lot of time and they're feeling crunched. And I know that because, you know, when you try and sign up for doctor's appointments, you have to sign up so far in advance. And yeah, with OB offices, it's a little bit different. They're good about getting you in. But I wanted to get a therapist while I was pregnant. And through my insurance, I could not get into a therapist until October. I was trying to make an appointment in May. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just thinking, you know, what if you had, you were seriously had postpartum Like, I just, I'm like. What if you had a severe case of, like, suicidal thoughts or, I don't know, anxiety, anything. I mean, what I was going through was a lot of depression and stress and not knowing how to manage oh my the gosh. anxiety. But then I was fortunate enough to just go a couple times to somebody and pay out of pocket. I really didn't have the money to do it, but I knew that my mental health was a priority, um, which is another thing that black moms need to know is that 
one of the reasons that we have such poor health outcomes for moms and babies is because of stress. And it's the stress of just being yes. a black woman in this country. And it's stress is connected to low birth weight. Yes. It's connected to just all sorts of problems with the baby when the baby is first born. Um, it's, not to interject, but and even saying, again, I'm going back to you and I know, mm -hmm. and you and I have had different access points to different things. Um, and so hearing you say that, you know, what you just said, you know, with stress and again, what about moms who don't have access and who don't know? Can you imagine No. the stress? The not, no, I just, uh, it's dumbfounding. Yeah. It, it really is. It, it is. is really dumbfounding. And it's, it's horrifying because there's only so much you can do about it, right? I can control what I ingest. And so, like I said, you know, living that duality of experience, like I mentioned, I don't really watch the news, especially while I was pregnant. Me I was like, you know that. what? I'm going through, I'm pregnant, going through a divorce. I'm, you know, stressed about jobs, I'm stressed about money, I'm stressed just about normal life things, and then on top of that, I'm stressed about bringing a black life into this world with everything that's going on in it. And I, so I was like, you know what, I can't, I can't watch the news, mm -hmm. because I can't see what crazy President Trump is doing. I, can't I, I, do, I do that now. Doing. Yeah, I, I do that. I mean, I just don't. And me either, my my. I, I get enough. I get right. what I need. I know. But I, I know what's going on. If important <laughs> enough, I feel like it gets around to yeah, me. Yeah, I know I'm what's going, going on. I'm not going to go seek it out. Yeah. And I definitely can't have it in my daily, um, in my daily view. But when I was pregnant, it was impossible to escape my blackness. Not that I want to. I love being black, mm -hmm. and I don't want to make it sound like I don't. But all of the negative things that come with being black, all of the ways that people perceive you. I look really young. So I know people were looking at me like, oh, she is 16 years old. Mm -hmm. She's pregnant. Mm -hmm. I could see it in their face, walking into Target and getting the up down. And I didn't start to show until I was probably like seven or eight months along. But I could still just see the way people perceived me. And I am someone who cares. And so I had to learn really quickly to cut that out and to not mm -hmm. care how people perceive me. Um, because it was an unnecessary stress on my life. That I get. That I do get. Mm -hmm. So I, I just, I knew that I was constantly aware of it. And even though my um, my OB was a family friend, I still, when I had pains, I would like push so hard at her. And I know that she was just trying to calm me down because I know her demeanor and that she wasn't being dismissive of me, but I just inherently was like, no, push, push, push. You mm. need to make sure that this pain you're having in your chest is something that she's taking seriously and not something that she's just like, oh, this is just a normal pregnancy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Because I'm black. Yeah. And that my birth experience, she came, but she was not on call. So I had to deal with a whole slew of other people. Most of them were really nice. Um, 
I was, it was Christmas, so I was one of two women in the hospital too, yeah. which was a nice thing. But one of them was awful, and she just kept pressuring me. She didn't believe that I was in as much pain as I was in. I don't even understand how you get to even dictate or even comment on how much pain I'm in. <laughs> right? I'm having a baby. I know. Like and what? She was like, it must have been because I wasn't very dilated or something, but... I was saying how much pain I'm in, and so finally, my mom called my OB on my cell phone and on her cell phone was like, Shelby is in pain, and I just happened to have a contraction while she was on the phone. She was like, oh, yeah, she sounds really bad. Okay, uh, yeah. well, then let me get myself together, and I'll come down here. And so at that point, the nurse was like, well, why don't you just do medicated sleep? And I was like, what is that? And she was like, well, it's, you know, we give you uh, a pain medicine and then you'll sleep for about 12 hours and then we'll bring you back and you'll start getting things moving again. And, you know, at this point I had been in active labor um, for probably six hours. And before that, I'd just been having contractions for probably six hours. Mm -hmm. So it's been a long day already. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll do this. What is the medicine you're going to give me? And she said, oh, what did she say? It's a mix of, well, she didn't tell me it was a mix first. First, she <laughs> said it's morphine. That's probably another thing to say to show me. Right. She was like, it's morphine. But I swear she said it in the middle of a contraction. And I was like, oh, it's just morphine. Okay, maybe I'll do it. Let me think about it. But then another nurse came in and I was like, can you tell me one more time, what is the medicine you're going to give me with the medicated sleep? And she was like, it's morphine and fentanyl. <gasps> and I was like, morphine and fentanyl? <laughs> no, absolutely. And you're giving to me through an IV? So it's going to get to my baby? No. I didn't even, like, why are you still giving out fentanyl at hospitals knowing how deadly it is? And how addictive it is. I just could not believe it for the... And I mean, she didn't even tell me. That was the part that killed me, is that she started off with, well, it's morphine. And then maybe she saw my face and she was like, I'm not telling I'm you not the rest. I'm not even telling the rest. <laughs> right. But like, how are you going to leave out the most A important part. part? And so when again, she came back in... giving people all of the options and information. Exactly, which is, again... You don't get to leave stuff out, people. Ask the questions. Yeah. Ask it as many times as you need to ask it to understand the information. You should have had a whole medication. Like, right. I was like, no. 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 <laughs> no. And so she came back in, and every time I had a contraction after that, she was like, I don't know why you won't just get this medication. You should just take it. You should just take it. And all I could think in my head is, what if I was a recovering addict? And I had not disclosed that to That's you. A whole what if I had addiction in my family and I had not disclosed that to you? What if I know that I have just an addictive personality? What if I just didn't want it? And I've already told you that. And you keep asking and keep asking. And for someone who is not me and literally a little bit longer on those contractions with yep. no movement, yep. it could have been me saying, just right, give fine, it to me. Fine. Just give it I'll to me. I'll take it. Like I said, no. That should be the end of the story. Mm -hmm. And for you to try and shove it down my throat, I hope you're not doing that with anybody else. But you know they are. Right? I'm like Shelby. I know. I know. But yeah, it was just it was crazy. And my doctor finally came, and after a very long labor of 34 hours or 36 hours. 
I didn't think I would ever forget, but I have. I finally had my baby. Man, that was a long journey. Um, and like I said, most of my nurses were great, but I was very adamant about advocating for myself the entire time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important. And I know that most people do not, especially most black women, do not have a birth story like that. And um, breastfeeding afterwards, my best friend is a doula. Mm -hmm. And she was there with me as much as she could be because she was working too. Um, and she was there with me during the birth, right after the birth. Mm. So she made sure that I got latched. She made sure I was comfortable. They did have an IBCLC, a lactation consultant come in and help me. And she was very crass. <laughs> um, she was an older woman and she was an older white woman. And she just was not very friendly or like empathetic or personable. So I'm glad that my friend was there because I don't think I would have been comfortable with her helping me as much. Um, but I was adamant to breastfeed, so I probably just would have pushed through it. But she definitely was not the welcoming person that you want to mm -hmm, come in and mm -hmm. help you get your baby latched. And um, if I can go back, Shelby, just mm -hmm. with that, um, again, thinking about new moms mm -hmm. and young moms um, and not having the knowledge or the education on the importance of breastfeeding. Um, I think we can rest there for a second. Um, I have a, my best friend is in Evansville, Indiana, and she is a lactation consultant and, of course, um, heavily advocates for breastfeeding because, to me, I'm like, you got the gold right there. Mm -hmm. That's like the golden nectar. Yes. So it's hard to hear um, especially when I feel like our babies need it so much um, because it, first of all, tell us about breastfeeding and why um, do people advocate for it so much? Why is my friend Larissa, who is a breastfeeding, breastfeeding and lactation consultant in Evansville, why is, does she have Wildflowers, which is a breastfeeding group for young moms in that city? Why are you such a huge advocate for it? And you always have been, even before you, you weren't pregnant. Right. Why is it so important, especially for our babies, our black babies? Right. So mm -hmm. the difference between breast milk and formula is that breast milk is whole nutrition for your baby. It is tailored specifically for this what is information your from a child health coach also, needs. people. So yes. keep that in mind. And so as a health coach who understands food and getting as much nutrient-dense food as you can, absolutely, you want to give your baby the best start that they can have. And the most nutrient-dense food for them will always, every single time, be breast milk. Every time. You are the machine person. You are the I mean, you so are the, the thing. The, your body is built to feed baby. And if you can do it, because there there are circumstances where women cannot do it. Mm -hmm. And if you can do it, oh my gosh, I, I just cannot speak into enough the benefits of it. And not just for baby, but also for mom. Mm -hmm. Your risk of breast cancer, of ovarian cancer, um, of any hormonal cancer is significantly decreased from breastfeeding just for six months mm -hmm. um, and at all. Really. Just for six months? Right. For six months, I, I don't, I'm not going to give you facts and figures mm -hmm. because I don't remember the exact numbers. I'm happy to look them up for you later. But I know that you get optimal 
um, benefit at six months. Yes. But before that, you still get benefit just breastfeeding at all. But your breast has receptors in it mm -hmm. that pulls in your baby's saliva mm -hmm. and takes note of what your baby needs, what nutrients your baby needs. Has your baby come in contact with any viruses? I always get chills when I think about the human body. And yes. I know people think that is weird. But when you are in the health and wellness industry and you understand your body yeah. and how amazing it is, this people. This is what it was built to do. Yes. And... Your baby needs it. And so, you know, it's interesting. And I know that one of the biggest reasons that people are don't want to continue breastfeeding or don't continue breastfeeding is because they don't feel like they're producing enough milk in the hospital, especially because you see these formula bottles, right? And mm -hmm. there's like all of this milk in the formula bottle. And when you look at how much milk you pump in each session, it's like half or less than that. But there's this great chart that we have that shows the size of baby's belly um, moving through all of their ages. And when baby's first born, that belly is like the size of a cherry pit. Oh. So it really doesn't take much to fill yeah. it up. You can actually, they'll tell you if baby won't latch to just self-express and put a few drops in their mouth mm -hmm. and so that they can be fed. But what happens when you get formula is that they need more, much more than that to get the nutrients they need. So you start your baby off overfeeding them. And for black babies, this becomes a huge issue. Why? Because obesity is so huge. And obesity-related diseases are such huge and prevalent issues in the black community. Um, and really, in America, in every community but they're even worse in the black community. Yes. And formula, because you have to feed the baby so much of it, just perpetuates that. There's one of the great benefits of breastfeeding that I learned um, through the education I get with my job is that babies who are breastfed actually have a wider palate. So they're more willing to try different foods when they do start to eat solids, which shouldn't start until six months, not four months. Um, because with formula, you're getting the same thing every time, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. same flavor every time. But with breast milk, it changes with what you eat. Oh, wow. So the flavor changes of it, so the baby will be That's amazing. Yeah. I would never think that, but that totally makes sense. Breastfeeding babies are more independent than um, formula-fed counterparts are. And I cannot... I. And I understand that some people have to breast or have to use formula, and so I will never shame you for the choice that you make. I will always advocate for breastfeeding. Um, but I just getting ready to get Zora, my daughter, out of the house. If we're going somewhere, if we're going to her grandparents' house, if we're going anywhere, right? If I'm going to work, all I have to do is put her clothes and her diapers in a bag, which they're usually already in there, and get out the door. And one day, as I was getting all of that together, I thought to myself, if she drank formula, I would have to get these bottles ready, production. get them warm, put them in a insulated bag. I mean, it's got to take you an extra 20 minutes to get out the door. And it already takes you a minute to get out the door. And when I'm out and about and she's hungry or she's fussing and she's upset, all I have to do is take that baby back. Mm -hmm. put her on the move mm -hmm. and is the ultimate silencer she's happy she's fed um i think about the expense of a, a formula oh yeah 
formula is very expensive. My niece is a, my great niece is a newborn, and it was I don't even remember, but it was a whole lot of money. I remember my sister when she had my niece Champagne mm -hmm. um, when she was a young mom, and her asking me for the first time to go buy the powdered formula for her, and I said sure, thinking it was going to be like four or five dollars. No, no. Mm -hmm. it was eleven dollars, and she said she needed four of them. Yeah. And so you want me to pay 50 what that's all and that was my niece champagne is now 20 something and i just know that we the understanding of food is becoming greater so as someone who is yes. plant-based mm -hmm. um there is no great option of formula because i don't want to feed my baby dairy dairy is meant for cows to go from being a calf to a like two-ton animal in a couple years and i'm sure colleen talked about that on her episode but that's not what a baby is supposed to do we have to do a whole podcast episode with colleen and show <laughs> <laughs> i keep these two firecrackers really close <laughs> and then the other option is soy which is not the absolute worst thing because when mm -hmm. you think about breast milk is going to have estrogen in it anyway and the problem with soy that people have is that it's a phytoestrogen so it's an estrogen um mimicking plant mm. but baby's gonna Hold get the estrogen anyway so that's not the, the problem that i have with it the problem that i have with soy is that it's highly genetically modified mm. and i know that there's a lot of contention around whether or not gmos are bad but my stance on these controversial topics is that I would just prefer not to put things into my body that nature did not make. Mm. And um, as much as is possible because it's impossible to be perfect. Mm -hmm. So the other thing that I love about breast milk is that it's organic and mm -hmm. it's all natural yep. and it comes straight from mom. Yep. And you, like you said, it's less expensive. Mm -hmm. I will say that you have to eat significantly more to produce breast milk. But I remember there's just so much misinformation about breastfeeding around, which I think scares a lot of people away from it. Um, and one of the things is that you have to consume this amount of calories every day in order to sustain your milk supply. And while I'm not going to tell you that you don't have to eat more, I can tell you that I don't count my calories yeah, every day. Yeah. I can tell you that there are days when I am super busy and I only get one big meal and that's it and my baby still is fed and mm -hmm. happy. Um, also, someone told me, I remember, everyone has advice for you when you're pregnant. Um, <laughs> like random people on the of street, I'm sure. coworkers, everybody has advice. And so this one woman told me that I had to drink like 128 ounces of water a day in order to breastfeed properly and to have enough milk. And I drank 128 <laughs> ounces of water a single day. And you Why do you feel like she told you that? You know, because that may have been her experience. Yeah. And, yeah. and so and that's where I, was I will going not with it. say that it's not true that the more water that you consume, that the more breast milk that you will create. Obviously, you have more liquids, you'll get more output. But I will say that I have not consumed 120 ounces of water. I know people who breastfed for three years who drank Diet Coke the entire time. Ooh. 
it's not the best, but yeah. it's, it's, listen, it's the liquid she could get in her mm-hmm. body. And I drink as much as I can, and I'm still producing enough milk. And I know I'm in all of these, like, black mom groups and vegan mom groups, and they have pictures of their deep freezers full of breast milk, and that has never been me. I produce enough for my baby to drink. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And you don't have to have, like, 200 ounces of breast milk stored um in fact it's probably a little bit painful to Mm. have that much so and the other misconception is that breastfeeding means bringing baby to breast every time some people cannot breastfeed baby won't Mm -hmm. latch Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. you have to go back to work after two weeks you can pump Mm -hmm. and here in indiana it is your right to pump Right. Not in a bathroom stall nope. either. Nope. They nope. have nope. to provide a safe, clean space for With you. With a lock on the door. With a lock on the door. That's it. To pump your milk. Mm-hmm. It is your right. It is your it right. Is the state law. My little sister did not know that. Mm-hmm. She works in Kentucky. She did not know that. Mm-hmm. And I told her, don't make me come up to Wendy's <laughs> and make them. Because it is the law. Right. And she said, it's the law? Honey, it is the law. Mm-hmm. They have to provide you with that. Yes. That's what I'm saying about these. A lot of people do not know this information. They don't. That's what I'm saying. And if you don't know and you're just going on what you've always done, think about people who have multiple children. You know, and... They don't have access to the things that we have access to. So they don't know how to advocate for themselves. They don't know how to ask the questions. And so they're just being served whatever they're being served. Right. That and that's is, why we have to change the conversation. Absolutely. And that's, honestly, that's the, the only thing that I can say is that we have to change the conversation. We have to make education more available for everybody because it's not. And you're right. If you already have two, three kids and none of them were breastfed, then you're not even thinking about yeah. breastfeeding as yeah. an option. But formula is so expensive. It is. And breastfeeding, I mean, there are just so many benefits for you and baby. And, you know, selfishly, the benefit of breastfeeding is that you get to have that time with your baby mm-hmm. alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a very big family. I know I have my friend who the doula was like, are you comfortable having this many people in your birthing room? And they didn't stay with me while the baby was being born, but they came in shortly after. As soon as our golden hour, which is the hour after birth, mm-hmm. that you spend skin to skin with your baby, very, very, very important for baby's development, for your bond with them. Um, but after that, they, they all came in. There are probably 10 people plus in the room at any given point. I have a big family. They flew in, drove in to be a part of it. And she was like, are you comfortable with this? And I was like, oh, this is my life. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Did I have to be comfortable with it? Welcome. Are you comfortable? Welcome. Right. This is what we do. (laughs) And yes, I loved having that support system. If I had another child, I would close the doors a little. Mm -hmm. I would Mm -hmm. be a little bit more selfish with my time with my baby. Um, I think that's something that I definitely regret. But the beautiful thing about breastfeeding is that when she's crying because she's hungry, oh, who has her? This is mommy. Exactly. I'm going to go find a corner to Mm -hmm. sit in when she is at her grandparents' house and, you know, she's crying, but they want to hold her and 
listen, being a mom head teaches you to be very outspoken if you were not before. I'm a very polite person, but when my baby's crying and you're like, just let her cry, nah, nah, nah. give me my baby, give her to me now. Yes. And so breastfeeding means that I can just say, oh, she's hungry. Yeah. And I get to go and take her to another room and we get to take a breath. So, I mean, there are just so many benefits to it. And I mean, those are just, you know, those are not the important health benefits, but I think they're important bonding benefits. Absolutely. And I just, it's just great for baby's development um, and their bond with you moving forward. And my daughter's only, she'll be six months old tomorrow. Oh my gosh, I feel I like, know. I can't believe it. It really? was so fast. I know. Oh, I say wow. there were two times in my life where I really understood the word awesome because we use it so much as just like a throwaway word. Oh, that's awesome. But like, you don't really mean it. And the word awe, like being actually in awe of something. Oh. The first time I felt that was when I was moving to California and we stopped, me and my dad and my dog, my oh, son, Huey, we stopped <laughs> in the Grand Canyon and I stood at the edge of the Grand Canyon and I am terrified of heights, terrified. And I thought I was going to die the entire time I was there. But I stood at the edge of it and I was like, Oh my god! I always feel like I'm gonna throw myself over. I can't do it. Uh, yeah, me too. Well, you know, I step back, but like, I'm like, fine, I was go. Ah! But it's just you're literally in awe of it. Like yeah. it's it's all of these emotions of beauty and amazement and terror and yeah. terror and terror, and that's how I feel being a mom. Like Aww. being a mom has, especially of an infant who's growing so quickly. And developing so quickly, it has really forced me to be present, which is something that I have struggled with. Um, it's also... A lot of us struggle with that. Yes. That's the way of the world. We have to take a breath yes. and realize that you are where you have fought so hard to be. Mm -hmm. And with her, it's like she, she forces me. What do you have to do? I don't care. Yeah. Because I'm here and I need you to pay attention yes. to me. And giving birth to her was awesome. Seeing her was awesome. Oh, I was completely wow. in awe of her. And then just like every time that she develops, she just started sitting up on her own like two months ago. Already? I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> I, the whisper. I am like, having such a breath. hard time. She couldn't even say it. She's like trying to crawl now. And you know, like she's not pulling herself up to sit up. She's still like cries for somebody to come and grab her or she'll just roll over onto her stomach and she hated tummy time for the longest time but now she knows that's her mode of transportation mm. so she's like oh gotta go yeah and every time that she tries to get up on those knees and crawl there's like this little bit of me that just wants to like push her no, down no, 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 not yet not, not yet no, not, not yet. today not today i'm not ready <laughs> And she's always wanted to like stand and I'm like, Zora, we are not, you are too short. Like I need you to get a little bit taller because you're just going to be she's around all these big people. all over the place. I know. And I just, it's just amazing watching her and watching her personality grow. And she's so outspoken already. I already know I'm in for it. I am a very outspoken person when I get to a point, but I'm also yeah, very polite. Yeah, when she said she was polite earlier. And she is very polite. <laughs> However, unless you don't get it twisted, right? Yes, don't get you, it twisted. <laughs> but um, she and I'm, the politeness is taught in me in as much as it is 
part of my nature. So I know it'll be taught in her, but right now she is a very um, assertive is the word that I like to use. And so I worry for her, um, for her being proudly black the same way oh, that I am because it just presents a lot of barriers in a world that doesn't want you to be proud of yeah, black. So definitely. the awe is also terror. I'm terrified. Absolutely, Shelby. Especially absolutely. right now. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back because I do want to definitely talk about that and I wrote that down in my notes. Um, and if you guys see me on some of the video kind of writings because I don't want to forget, but I do want to talk about that taking a breath because you mentioned that earlier um, and that's really the the nuts and bolts of the conversation that I really wanted to talk about was being an African-American mom right now mm -hmm. raising a young African-American girl. Yeah. That is a lot to digest. So we will be right back to continue that conversation. So Shelby, I just wanted to go back and kind of touch on you talking about just taking a breath mm -hmm. um, because I, I do think, and this is really when you and I talked, what I knew I wanted to really discuss with you is again, you being a new mom, um, but an African-American mom raising an African-American daughter um, in some of the most tumultuous times, um, I know as an aunt and as an auntie, I am always, like my heart is, I have nieces and nephews, you keep hearing me talk about my nieces who are super special to me, my nephews are super special to me, um, but some are as young. I mean, my sister just had um, a newborn daughter um, and little Mimi is, I think about six months as well, six, eight months. And so it's a lot to process and a lot to think about, especially in these times. So how are you feeling uh, about all of that? Um, it's been really difficult to find a balance between staying connected, aware, and advocating, uh, and being a mom and being able to just not be sad all the time. I know that stress affects milk supply, so I'm trying not to allow what's going on to mm. affect me on a physical level. Uh, but it's been very difficult. And so the best thing that I've been able to do is to find a way to feel like I'm making a difference and having the important conversations without... Um, overextending myself mm -hmm. so with the organization that I work for I wrote a very long letter humanizing what has been happening because I wanted them to understand that they have a responsibility to black moms that we work with and to making them feel in no uncertain terms heard supported and understood and not mm. just in words but in actions and Absolutely. making sure that you are taking steps so that you are 
meeting these moms' needs because they are not the same mm -hmm. as every other mom that we have walking through doors. They're different and you need to meet them equitably. And, you know, having that, I don't want to say it was ignored because, you know, there was a conversation that happened after it and, um, but then everything that's happened since that has not been humanized. It's just a very nice, gentle way of saying, let's treat everyone well. Like it's basically an all very long, all lives matter pose. Yep. And it's just exhausting. Um, and you ask, you know, it's being a mom of a black daughter comes with a lot of worry. Hmm. I worry because I think black women are the least seen and cared for. I worry because I know that black girls are going missing and no one's paying attention. Mm -hmm. I worry because Breonna Taylor's murderers have not been charged and we're pushing for it, but it hadn't happened. And I worry because um, little black girls are sexualized before they're even old enough to write a paragraph yeah mm -hmm. and, and i'm getting emotional you guys sorry but it's heartbreaking it is and it's terrifying terrifying and i'm scared to end up in jail for killing somebody who tries to hurt my child <laughs> absolutely have, and i'm terrified that you know let me not say that but i i am it's, oh, it's jesus but you know people what? think i'm bad when i say that i'm like mm. Y'all know my, my friends. Like, you need to stop because you know those people are listening through your phone. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I know. But um, but I'm in all seriousness, I had a gender reveal party, which you were at. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you noticed, but in all of the videos after, I was just, like, mortified. Because I, you know, we were pulling cloth and blankets and stuff out of a bag and at the end of it it had the color of what the baby would be and when it was a girl I was ecstatic and I told most people that it was because I just don't understand boys I had a little sister growing up my brothers were much older than me um so like what am I going to do with a little boy I don't want to have to play with a little boy that is totally untrue I was terrified to have a black son <sighs> in this world like another black man to be worried about at a very young age uh, I have a cousin who lives in New Jersey and he never asks to have conversations with us because it's usually the women on the Google Google call um, his mom and my sister my Nana and my mom and me would just you know playing with Zora but he requested to have a call with us because he hasn't been leaving the house Ugh. at all. He walks down the street to the coffee shop, um, intentionally walking because he doesn't want to drive. Yep. He drives to the grocery store and is paranoid the whole way there, paranoid the whole way back. I've never been paranoid about just coming to a stoplight. Yeah. I'm paranoid about sitting at a stoplight for too long because I don't know who's going to drive up behind me or who's going to drive up, more importantly, beside me. Right. What you about to do? Yeah, and that's what I was listening it's to. Crazy. This, um, this guy talking who was in the military, and he said that he served three tours in active war. I guess I don't know the proper term, and that living in America right now is scarier oh. than being in war 
because in war you know who your enemies are. And I don't think until I had a daughter that I felt and allowed myself to fully be immersed in the fear that goes with just being black every day because it was easier to just suppress it. And it kind of just becomes your natural instinct Absolutely. because you have Absolutely. to live in the world. Yeah. You can't just like live constantly in fear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But even, you know, the idea of like wet nursing, the idea of slavery, all of those are things that from a young child, my parents made sure, obviously not wet nursing, but like they made sure that I understood my history mm -hmm. beyond mm -hmm. what was being taught in school. So I always knew about Ruby Bridges. I mm -hmm. always knew mm -hmm. about Josephine Baker. Mm -hmm. I always knew about the black experience and I knew about my history, but I don't think I ever allowed it to sink in. Absolutely. Like how terrifying it is mm -hmm. until I've had Zora and we've been in this space of the world right now. And it's, it is debilitating. I think is just a good word for it. it. When you fully accept that your family were slaves and not that long ago. Mm-hmm. 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 Do, are your, cause I know you have friends that have babies mm -hmm. who've had maybe a, a few, a couple babies. I know you have a couple friends who have one to two children or maybe more. Um, what are those conversations like? Um, my best friend has two sons. She's white and she is, and it's interesting because when her youngest son was first born, so that was uh, four years ago, she would say, like, I feel guilty. And she loves her kids. But, you know, I feel guilty bringing them into this world. Like, did am I a bad person for bringing mm. kids into this world? And, I mean, I understood it because, like, the environment is crap. And mm. The world in general is falling apart. And then you throw in all of the racist crap that's happening and the misogyny. And, yeah. Like, did I bring my child into this mess? I got it then, but I did not fully understand it until now, mm. until having kids. And I'm like, oh man, yeah, like you brought a child into this world where at, at some point you can't protect them anymore. And that's why I think when I see her crawling, I want to push her down because I'm like, no, I'm not ready to not be able to be there and protect you anymore. Yes. I'm not ready for you to be independent of me mm -hmm. in any way mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I can't just hold you close and mm -hmm. keep you close and protect you. Um, and then my other friend who she has a, she's black and she has a daughter and a son and the conversations with her have, I mean, she's terrified. Yes. Especially yes. for her son. Yeah, absolutely. And she'll say that. I think that's a whole different conversation. I mean, you gave um, us the, you know, black girl young black girls um mm -hmm. i i didn't even like you said sexualize at an age that is they don't know what that means right exactly yeah, they have no idea what is happening it's just like in so many ways yeah but but in the black, black boy, boy yeah just, they're they're a threat yes i mean i my my friend um and you guys have probably um, noticed uh, on Facebook the listen in experience with um, Nakbasi, um, who is one of my dearest friends. Uh, but she 
sent an email or on a group um, message, uh, a group message, and a couple of weeks ago when, you know, all of this was, I mean, it's been ongoing, of course, but she really sent us a text and talked about a letter um, talking about her son, her son, her youngest son. Um, she has a daughter and a son, and her son is, I think, Bossy is six, and he's considered a threat. Right. And just the emotions of a mom having to deal with how I'm going to make sure like my baby is protected at that age when he walks out of my door because he is considered a threat. Right. That is just mind-boggling to me. It it's is. mind-boggling. I had to think about it. I, I remember when um, we had the inauguration um, or the presidency. I, I'll never forget that. And I think we were working together at the time. And I just remember the struggle to get out of bed mm -hmm. because all I could think about was the Facebook post that my brother had just done. My youngest brother, who has a son, who is now 21, I think, 20, 21, and he had just gotten a car. And I am not kidding you. I felt like I could not get out of bed because I remember laying in bed with the phone and seeing that post on Facebook. And I'm not, I haven't been on Facebook, I think, since then. Um, but that's all I could think about was, and I remember sending the text and calling saying, have you talked to him? Did you tell him this? You know, he can't drive here. He needs to have his cousin with him when he goes there. I mean, conversations that others may not have to have with their children. Right. Um, and it's just. And we didn't even think about. Not, not at all. Not at all. And I can't even imagine the conversations that you're going to have to have with Zora. And it terrifies me. And I have to tell you that, um, you know, I had a very stressful pregnancy. Like I said, I was going through a divorce I'm still going through a divorce and it was very contentious it wasn't like an amicable <laughs> separation and during the pregnancy I had a hard time connecting with her and I would sing and I would try and talk to her and I would put forth just a great effort and I think part of it was all of the uncertainty mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and when she was born I was in awe of her and I was, but he was there. And so it, I didn't feel like I could be my full emotional self mm. about her coming into the world. And, um, oh, why did you feel that? Your full emotional self. That's interesting. Because I, because of the emotional abuse, turmoil, suppression that I felt like I had to have when he was around mm. I just I didn't want to be perceived as anything other than pleasant and I don't know it just it him being there just and I feel like we get that a lot way. Shelby because I have been told yeah you're too you, you're too you need to stop being so emotional right right yeah you're too sensitive um you're you're not perceiving the situation you're invalid yeah all of those conversations and so afterwards, I felt like breastfeeding was a great way for me to connect with her. And I'm not plugging breastfeeding. I'm just saying that um, for me. Well, I am. <laughs> so I don't have no kids. Breastfeeding. I breastfeeding. am. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like I, 
I didn't connect with her right away. And I haven't told anybody else this, but, and part of it was because I always felt like somebody could take her from me. Mm. And I was so scared because I've had a friend who lost her baby when her baby was five months old, because I see what happens to black people in this country, because I know the statistics about black babies. I know the statistics about SIDS. Maybe having all this information isn't always the best thing, especially if you're naturally a worrier. And then also just having this turmoil with her dad. Um, I just never felt safe enough mm. to allow myself to open up and love her until I did. Yeah. And now it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. Because now, like, I know that once she goes out into the world that there's only so much I can do. Like she's six months old and I'm worried about the conversations that I'm going to have to have to protect her. And I know that there are people, I know that ma the majority of this country is not worried about that and worried about those conversations. I will say that it's been really heartening to see, um, so many white people stay focused on this issue for so long mm. and to feel so compelled to educate themselves. And I think that maybe I have isolated myself into a bubble because of Trump's first, you know, initial campaign four years ago, three years ago, whatever. Um, I definitely started just deleting people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so my social media now looks a lot like my views with just a little bit left of it and a little bit right of it. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I feel like the conversations that I've been seeing have been really good and mm -hmm. fruitful and mm -hmm. people really want to learn and to change. Absolutely. I was on a, I was on a call today with um, my best friend, Jennifer. Um, and it was a call that was in Evansville. And uh, and that's a whole nother, other. I don't even want to go there. E is for everyone. <laughs> Tune into the listening experience on Sunday. We'll talk about that. <laughs> but um, that the conversation was, you know, with individuals. It was a panel of African American men. But yeah, I was surprised to see the number of individuals on there, white individuals who were trying to learn, and they were literally. We pulled up the chat box, and the questions that they were asking were great questions. Yeah. Uh, and to me, I, I will say that I'm. I'm a, Y'all can feel how you want to feel about it, but for Evansville, I lived there all my life. I'm no longer there. I haven't been there for almost 20 years. To see that people are trying to understand, for me, as a person that was there 20 years ago and I'm still seeing what is happening there now, um, it was a good feeling yeah. to see that people are tr at least trying to understand or making a concerted effort to be on the call, to hear what these gentlemen, these African-American gentlemen had to say um, about their own experiences that they were dealing with in that town. So I, I, I agree. I really think that the conversations are fruitful or yeah. they're proving to be, hopefully. Yeah, and I hope that people stay focused. Yeah. Because, you know, and it's so frustrating when you see like NASCAR, I think they've done really great things, mm -hmm. but they've fallen into kind of the the same, I don't want to call it a trap, but pattern 
that a lot of other corporate companies have, which is they hire someone black and they put them in what position? Mm. Diversity yeah. and inclusion. <laughs> it is not black people's <laughs> job <laughs> to promote diversity within an organization. Yeah. It is not solely our job. And I have seen so many more black people, and even my coworker, we, we actually you know, disagreed a little bit because a lot of my friends are white. And so I've been having the uncomfortable conversations. I've kind of always been the person having the uncomfortable conversations, which is why I don't have a lot of friends because mm-hmm. I grew up in very white areas mm-hmm. and didn't want to hear about it. But she's like, it's not my job to educate you. And I agree. It is not my job to educate you. But if you feel comfortable asking the question to me and you come to me, then I'm happy to have a short conversation with you and then guide you through resources. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, because there mm-hmm. are so many out there. For and you I can see you being very great at that. Right. So. I'm like, yes, you are incorrect. This is the answer to your question and this is the evidence to prove it. Yeah. And you are welcome to look it up on your own. I'm not going to have this yeah. long conversation with you. But... You know, I hope that white people start moving into those spaces too and that they care enough about diversity and inclusion to participate in it instead of just, you know, pushing a person of color because it's not just black people who end up in those roles into it. So um, I would love to see more black people move into the public health space. I Mm. think it is wildly necessary absolutely 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 we are at the highest risk i mean being black in america is a pandemic within itself absolutely especially when it comes to health so we really need to just care more and it's hard you can't do everything and you know when i would teach classes i know you know that i would always start with you can't pour from, from an empty, empty well. You, can't. you have to take care of yourself first. She has a slide for that. I did have I a slide. I still have for it. That. Her PowerPoint. And I would always tell everyone. Her nutrition one on one PowerPoint has it on the first slide. Yes. And they were mostly moms in the room, and I'm telling them you can't pour from an empty well, and you have to put yourself first. And I know you want to put your kids first, but you have to put yourself first. And now as a mom, I'm like, girl, shut yeah. up. <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> That's so funny. How do you, and I know it to be true, so I literally have this internal battle with myself that's like, you better put yourself first. <laughs> you need to go and take a long shower and detangle your hair because that's what you need right now. But then the mom in me is like, what? Oh, man, she's going to miss you. She's going to be calling for mama because she's calling mama now, and you're not going to oh. be there. So... We just have to care about ourselves more and, you know, you don't have to be first, but you need to be like top two, top three. Absolutely. You've got to take care of yourself. And I love that, Shelby. You've got to be the t- in the top two, top three, though. Right. Absolutely. And that's realistic. Yeah. I mean, yeah, in a perfect world, Absolutely. you would be number one. That's, that's real talk. I, I love that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying... You know, don't let your kid just like sleep <laughs> because self care says that you need to take a bath right now. But I'm taking a bath right. at three months. The <laughs> it's okay. You're okay. With you, hold them. Self care, but yeah, I I just think it's so important that we move into public health spaces and that we share that because you know we can't just 
take all this education that we have and then move into spaces where people have access to it. Make sure that you're bringing that back. Make sure you're constantly educating because a lot of people are well-meaning. I have family, especially, you know, you talk about your niece breastfeeding or that she didn't choose to. And I know I hear it all the time from my family. And um, actually when my family had COVID and we kind of, some of us got hit hard with it. My mom had it really bad, but my daughter, was asymptomatic oh, and I breastfed the whole time but I have an aunt who is a nurse in Atlanta and she said Shelby you need to take care of yourself right now you need to stop breastfeeding that baby because whatever you have you're passing to her and I was like what <laughs> no I'm not doing that and so I sent her the CDC guidance and I don't always agree with them but what they said made sense your breast milk has antibodies, it has antiviral properties, it's, you know, it's taking in what your baby has and it's saying, oh, it's the reason I was so sick for two days is because all of my defense mechanisms, all of my way, um, all of my immunity went to her instead of staying in my body mm -hmm. so that she could fight it off. And that's just so important. And, and you know, your family doesn't always know everything. Yeah. And they may be well-meaning, but they don't always have the best advice. We Ooh. really need to change the conversation around Good that. Stuff. I don't know how we got to this conversation. But, yeah, I just think it's important that we educate ourselves. And, you know, you keep asking for someone who doesn't know, for someone who doesn't know. And the answer is no. Yeah. People are not going to give you the education. I think that's been proven over and over again. But Shelby, in the work that we've done in community health, we know that you have to know for yourself. You do. You have to know for yourself. You, you have to be an advocate for yourself. Yes. Because, yes, there are people who you can seek out who will advocate for you. But you have to be able to advocate for yourself in every situation. It is so, so, so important. I can't stress it enough. And I cannot stress it nothing enough. Nothing is going to change if we can't mm -hmm. do that. Yeah. And like yeah. I said, go hold your doctors accountable. Absolutely. Hold all of these people who are in positions to help you. Where doesn't matter if you're on Medicaid. Doesn't matter if you're paying. Absolutely not. Doesn't matter if you're on Medicaid. Doesn't matter if you're self-pay. Nope. It does not matter. They are there to help you. You need to advocate for yourself so that they can do that. Absolutely, every time. I love that. I wanted to back up a little bit, Shelby, and because. Um, that conversation was a little heavy. Um, of course, I was crying. I always cry. Um, but I wanted to go back um, to just talking um, a little bit on a lighter note about food. Um, and before we get to the food piece with baby, um, but also just talking about postpartum depression mm -hmm. and um, just some of those things um, that moms experience, uh, African-American moms especially. Um, but how does, of course, with you being a health coach, um, how does food affect that? What are the statistics on that when it comes to African-American moms? What should we be doing to combat that and prepare? Um, so maybe, I don't, I don't know if that's something that you can help, you know, try to prevent um, or help prevent, you know, as you're moving through your pregnancy and beyond. Um, but what can you tell us just about postpartum depression? Because we also know that that's a huge um, problem in, um, the mom community, yeah, um, especially for new moms. It definitely is, and it's definitely an underreported problem. 
because I don't think that people realize that they have them. Mm. And it is definitely becoming a more hot button issue that you hear more about. But I can say, I don't remember, except for in the hospital, after you give birth, they make you fill out a form about how you're feeling. Mm. Um, and that was the only time I think that I ever encountered a conversation about postpartum depression Ooh, Interesting. in the hospital setting. Yes. So I don't know if that's because I knew my doctor and so she just wasn't talking to me about it. She would have seen the signs, but I, I just don't remember it happening. And so I have to assume that it's not mm. happening as much as it should. Now, we learned that there's a difference between baby blues, which is just kind of your hormones mm -hmm. coming down and rebalancing. And so you might feel a little sad or a little down for a few days after you give birth, after the baby's there. And that's very different from postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. Postpartum depression is like just feeling completely and utterly helpless. Like you don't want to do anything. Like you don't want to take care of yourself. You're not connecting with your baby. Um, and, you know, maybe even having thoughts of harming your baby, not because you don't love them, but just because you don't feel like you can take care of them. Mm -hmm. And it is extraordinarily important for family members to see that. Yes. And I will not... That's a great point. I don't even want to say it's important for you to see the signs, because as someone who's had depression, and as someone who's been around people who've had depression, just regular depression, um... I know that you don't reach out for help. Mm -hmm. That it is really... Well, you feel like a failure. You just did this right. amazing thing. Yes, absolutely. You and brought this life into the world. And you feel... Just, and now you're going to tell me, well, I'm sad. Right. I mean, you know what I mean? Right. That's... And it's really... Or I that's how people look at it. stress more that it is really... Like, your family needs to be able to recognize that. And so family members who are around women who are pregnant... You absolutely need to be looking out for that. And right now, in a pandemic, um, where women are having to give birth sometimes alone at the hospital, mm -hmm. if they're lucky, their partner or their spouse, yes. or one person is there with them, but that's it. And I cannot stress enough how important it is to watch out for your family members and make sure that they're okay. So that is honestly my best advice. Um, does it affect the black community more? I think it does, but I don't know the specific statistics around that. And yeah. I honestly, just from conversations that I've had and air, you know, working on the femur board and working in the space that I do now, I know that it's underreported, that people are not seeking help because they do not know what's wrong. And I think that's really a travesty. Now, on the piece of prevention. So for me, because I was really depressed during my pregnancy, mm -hmm. I knew that I was really susceptible potentially to having postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I was really, really um, cautious and I was really just, just tried to make sure that I did things that I loved and that I stayed around people that I loved mm -hmm. and accepted help 
and spend a lot of time with baby, spend a lot of skin-to-skin -skin time with baby because that definitely helps um, combat postpartum depression because I wanted to make sure that I did not get postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. I knew that it was a possibility to get PPD, so let me make sure that I can do everything possible not to get it. And I think that is a great thing that you can do. If you know you're somebody who is susceptible to stress and anxiety yeah. and you already are facing some mental health issues, then great make sure point. that people around you know, point. be mm -hmm. proactive about mm -hmm. it because you- That's exactly where I was going because I was thinking of one particular person that I dealt with. Yeah, yeah. and you, you just do what you can. It's not always something that you're gonna be able to prevent. Mm -hmm. But if you're aware of it, it might be a little bit easier yeah. to move through it or to ask for help. Um, and as far as food goes, I I don't know that food would have a large positive impact against postpartum depression. And mm -hmm. I might reach some slack from some holistic people who believe that you know food is medicine I think that it is mm -hmm. but I think that postpartum depression has a lot to do with stress levels I think it has a lot to do with cortisone it has a lot to do with um, oh man I lost my train of thought <clears throat> with your hormonal levels so consuming a lot of fast food a lot of processed food a lot mm. of sugars a lot of carbs not gonna be great in general, it'll potentially make it worse. Mm -hmm. um, and so maybe eating fresh food would make it better. I can't say yeah, that for sure. Yeah. I would just say that. Well, I would think, Shelby, at, if we're, because right before we got started with the conversation, I was telling you about my sister, mm -hmm. um, who is doing great, by the way. She just completely changed her diet due to some health conditions. Mm -hmm. But if we're talking about somebody going vegetarian, or let's just say, whole food plant-based mm -hmm. and if somebody is kind of switching up that lifestyle I know the results that my sister got in one week right and then in two weeks mm -hmm. and even greater in three weeks and four weeks right. um, so I can't imagine that the results um, or maybe I'm wrong I don't know you know when you're pregnant you know that if you kind of switch things up because I was going to that question as well you know is it beneficial for you to kind of switch up your diet you know, from a health coach perspective, um, once you get pregnant, because I know people do that. Oh, they stop smoking, absolutely. they stop drinking, you know, yeah. they, there are several, you know, so, vices and habits that they stop doing. While I was pregnant, I, um, was very nauseous the entire time. Mm -hmm. And so as someone who has always been a heavy believer in food as medicine, mm -hmm. obviously I changed my diet to try and combat that. You know, they tried to give me iron pills. I think I took them for two days. They made me more sick and I was like, I'm not taking <laughs> I can just eat foods higher and higher and I did and it was fine it didn't make me feel much better but I can imagine that if I had been eating a lot of like fast food or just nutrient depleted food it would have been worse and I will say that you know I had to consume had to I chose to consume some dairy at the end of my pregnancy because the only thing I could keep down and not get sick off of was pizza and I knew I needed to consume fat and so I would if I could make it at home then I would use my cashew cheeses but if I was out then I I wouldn't use diet because I don't like it so I would just use regular cheese just a little bit but once I had the baby I immediately went back to vegan mm -hmm. I haven't had any dairy since she was born and I felt so much better I 
didn't really gain much weight, but I pretty much lost it really quickly. I, like I said, I had COVID and I combated it a heck of a lot faster than everyone in my house. Wow. I was like sick for three days and it was three hellish days. Let me not pretend that COVID's not a thing because it definitely is, but my mom had it for two weeks. So yes, symptomatic for two weeks. Yeah. And you know, my dad for a little bit longer than me. So do I think that food helped? Absolutely. Do I think that eating healthier helped not add to the problem of me being stressed and depressed? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I just can't say for a fact that like eating whole food plant-based is going to stop postpartum depression because it's such a multifaceted Mm -hmm. issue Mm -hmm. that I don't Mm -hmm. want to tell you that just eating fruits and vegetables is going to make it better. I just don't think that would be responsible. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think that it can help. And of course, in terms of being healthy throughout your pregnancy, yeah, you definitely want to be conscious of what you're putting in mm-hmm. your body even more because you actually, the um, your amniotic fluid gets flavored with what you eat. So your babies can, their palate can kind of be changed like, by what you're pizza eating. Pizza today, uh, pizza today. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, my child's going to drink pizza and ice cream. Only things I could keep down, but at least it'll be small as ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> but she is a great eater. And so with me being vegan, I've decided obviously to raise her vegan. And I was moving right into that space. Yes. So, I was so excited because we are huge fans of Janae Claiborne and Sweet Potato Soul. Yes. And so when Shelby told me that she was pregnant, I was like, oh my God, you have to have a Sweet Potato Soul baby. <laughs> I remember sending you that text. I was so I excited. Know, really excited and she started eating solids um so we did start a little bit early yeah but let me just plug since this is education uh four months is way too early for baby to start eating Mm. way too early it's a very old school thinking some pediatricians will still tell you four months not as close to six months as possible but your baby has to hit some markers they have to be able to hold their head up um, on their own, steadily, not the wobbling neck baby. Mm-hmm. They should not be eating solids if their neck is wobbling. They want to be, you know, they have this thing where they'll push food out of their mouth with their tongue. Mm-hmm. So they have to stop doing that, start reaching for the food spoon, start showing interest in food. Usually that happens around six months, maybe a little bit later. Zora started really early. So I had to compromise with her dad. And he wanted her to start eating solids earlier than that. And I was like, nah. (laughs) (laughs) So at about five and a half weeks, I was like, all right, she can have banana and avocado. You don't have to start with cereal. I wanted to do whole foods as much as possible. She loves banana. She was not a huge fan of avocado, but don't worry, I converted her. And we've done some mangoes, some carrots. How do you how do you I just integrate them into So I am still primarily breastfeeding, but about twice a day I'll just mash up a banana and she doesn't eat all of it usually. And do you just trial like different things yeah, that just are... trial different things and you wanna do it little by little. 
So I, there's a lot of different ways to do it. There's baby led weaning where they'll like pick it up on their own and try mm -hmm. it. But the things I was having her pick up were really slimy, so she couldn't pick up. Yeah, the I, banana. Saw the mango. <laughs> I saw the mango. Being she was trying and she's like, but this when you mashed up that mango and gave it to oh her, my gosh, she loved. She the was mango. holding like she was grabbing the spoon and yes. like putting it in her she mouth. She's like, oh, and, and she so gets it funny. everywhere. And that was her first time eating mango. It was amazing that she was just like, Mom, give me more mango. It's so mom, funny mom, because mom. right after that, she tried carrot and she thought it was mango because they look the mm -hmm. same color. Mm -hmm. And so when the carrot went in her mouth, she was like, Ugh, what is that? This is not it. <laughs> and then she kind of warmed up to it and she was like, okay, okay, I like that too. I like it. I like it too, though. So you want to try, um, I would say, like we just did two foods a week. So two new foods a week, but you can do like one to two new foods yeah. a week. Now, reason that you want to spread it out is because you want to give the baby's body time to react to it so that you can see if, you know, oh, maybe baby doesn't poop properly. So we tried sweet potato and her poops were really solid. And, you know, she just seemed to be having trouble pushing oh, yeah. out. So I was like, okay, she's not ready for sweet potato yet. Tried that. For a couple of days took it out once I realized it didn't work but if you would have tried like 10 things at once then you wouldn't be able to pinpoint mm. what it was that mm -hmm. was causing mm -hmm. the problem mm -hmm. so um, I'm gonna keep her vegan as long as I possibly can and once she's old enough to make the choice if she says and I don't know what age that is so don't ask me but when she's I feel like she's old enough to say you know I see that dad's eating some fish. Can I try some fish? Mm -hmm. That's fine. But to me, um, you know, I always told him that I wanted to raise her vegan. And he initially questioned me on it, agreed. And then now, of course, is questioning again. But it's too late. And um, when I was debating with him about it, my thought process was that I'm vegan Yes, I care about the environment. I love animals. I don't think that they should be tortured, but primarily I'm vegan for the health benefits mm -hmm. and because I know that it's been better for me. Absolutely. So how could I, knowing that this is better for me, do something different for my child? Yeah. It just, it would be illogical. Well, Shelby, I always go back to, and I always want to tell my younger sister and, um, just the educational benefits that come along, the, the advantages um, with feeding your children better foods, clean foods, um, especially when they're that young, just for development yes, and for retention mm -hmm. um, when they're in school. And I just hear so many individuals talk about, and I've witnessed it, um, giving their kids a Capri Sun and some powdered donuts before they go to school. And I, yes, I'm stumbling over my words right now because when I, I know, I know if you give them the right stuff, not even stuff, if you give them the right food. So just, just thinking about that, you know, in totality, just, you know, the benefits of our, you know, the great disservice we do when we don't properly feed our babies. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's paramount for people to understand how food affects the brain and development and 
concentration yes. and mood and all of those things. And that, you know, and I just want to plug that a lot of people don't know any better. And that's really Very unfortunate. True. And, and that's true. why education is so important. But I just remember um, we went to one of the schools here and I, I did a nutrition talk and I talked about all of the chemicals that are in Flintstones vitamins. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even specifically, yes, I didn't even specifically say Flintstones vitamins. I was just talking about um, all of the chemicals and carcinogens that are in um, food coloring. And that one of the ingredients in food coloring, propylene glycol, is a neurotoxin. So it's literally poisoning babies' brains. And of course, the things that have the most color and dyes in them are kids' food. Absolutely. And I just remember, and then of course, the Those nutrients. Those moms bombarded you at the end. I did. I remember that. I bought that. them because I can't afford to buy the organic foods. Yeah. I know they're better, but I can't afford to get them. And, you know, in the morning. I was so excited because they food. knew some things. Right. I, mean, we're all, I think we go into spaces sometimes thinking that these people don't know anything. Right. When I tell you those moms were lined up for Shelby, like, I walked in and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> they, oh my gosh. But I was just, I was like, we as a society have failed those moms. Mm -hmm. And, and not even really us. And I feel it's, like they know. Some, sometimes they know kind of. But yes. they're just like, but this is what they told me. Right. And so this is well, what I, I do. We all do. Absolutely. In every space and facet of our lives. Like I said, we cannot be perfect. And so we pick and choose what we're going to do. Like, I care. I'm going to recycle. I can't always not buy plastic. Yeah. But I'm going to recycle when I buy it. So for their mentality, it was, I can't always you know, cook breakfast. Sometimes it's going to be the Pop-Tarts. Sometimes it's going to be this really sugary cereal. But I can give you a vitamin yes. to supplement those nutrients. And then to find out that that vitamin, you're not even absorbing it. And it's got chemicals in it that are making you sick is, I'm sure, heartbreaking for them and infuriating. Yeah. Because yeah. you feel like you've been failed by the people who are supposed to be, quote unquote, the gatekeepers yeah. of these healthy foods. So, you know, one of the things, you know, we went to another school and we did a unity day for them. Mm -hmm. And um, we, one of my friends came in and he was juicing vegetables, all orange yes. vegetables. And the number of kids who were like, I have never seen a sweet potato before, or who looked at a grapefruit and said, is that just a really big orange? Yes. Like, I remember that. Shelby. I cannot. Yes. And I just decided that. Because I know better, I have to do better. I know that my daughter needs all of these nutrients. I know that her dad, among many people I know, are super picky eaters. I will not eat peas, I will not eat mushrooms, I will not eat this, I will not eat that. I'm not gonna eat that vegetable, that vegetable, that vegetable, but they'll eat every meat under the sun. Yep. I, even if my daughter chooses in her life not to be vegan, I want her to eat the vegetables, to at least try them all. And I've been more open about what I will try. I, I hate watermelon, but I just ate that salad and that. it was really good. I'm so sorry. I, no, it's okay I knew that. Because I'm literally forcing myself to eat things <laughs> that I don't usually, I hate radishes. My daughter has a little radish. Tray. I did know about the watermelon, but I wasn't for sure. I couldn't quite remember. No, my palate has changed since I've been <laughs> pregnant too. So I've been experimenting and trying things that I don't usually like. But I've also been very intentional about, okay, 
if you want Zora to eat things mm -hmm. and not be questioning, you, then you. you need to be eating these things and not just like, I don't eat that. Yeah, you know? or at least showing her that you're going to try them. Right, so she's, exactly. You know, more so open she's to open trying, to trying them. And that's, it's so important to me that she has that baseline. But like you said, you know, food is fuel and you, what you put in your body is how you're going to feel throughout the day. So I don't know at what point in history America decided that sugar was breakfast food and that really pastries are breakfast food. Bigger, better, faster, more. Listen. Faster, 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 because pastries are faster. We can throw it on the table real quick when mama's running out the door. Right. But when I was in culinary school, I went for baking and pastry, and we made Pop-Tarts one class, and the recipe was literally pie crust and pie filling and, and frosting. And I was like, you mean to tell me that Pop-Tarts are breakfast food, are handheld pies? Like, just let that, it's dessert mm -hmm. for breakfast. Dessert for Pan breakfast. Pies. Pancakes are, it's literally cake. It's cake. And you put sugar on top no of it. No wonder I didn't like it. Yeah. I don't dig pancakes. It's just like cake batter that you fry instead of baking. See, I mean, it's a little bit different, you know. This is why you don't want different. Shelby around. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just Imagine saying. her working for your organization and coming in and turning your whole food system upside down. <laughs> Which is what she did. <laughs> I'm happy to come and do it. But I just, you realize all of these things and it's no wonder that kids are being diagnosed with ADHD at Absolutely. the levels that they are. Mm -hmm. It's no wonder that kids are seeing levels of obesity and type diabetes yeah. at levels that don't even make sense. Like these are adult diseases that children are getting and it is infuriating. And there are no gatekeepers. Like, I just don't know how to reiterate this enough. No one is gatekeeping this food. No one. You think the USDA is doing it, they're not gatekeeping it. You think the FDA is doing it, they're not gatekeeping it. Mm -hmm. They are not keeping dangerous chemicals out of this food. There is so much research, and it's not just vegan research. There's a show called Dirty Money. You can look at one of the episodes, talks about all of the chemicals that are in food and the ways, and not just food, but plastics. And are, what are your kids' toys made of? Plastic. Mm -hmm. And what are their cups made of? Mm -hmm. What are their, you know, and there's, like, like I said, you can't be perfect, but you want to be cognizant so you know how to avoid some of those things. Um, but it's just, it's so important for you to be your own gatekeeper. I like to call our American diet the sad diet, the standard American diet. Colleen and I discussed that, <laughs> like I said. I kind of figured when you, I was Show like, I Colleen together. talked about this. Mm -mm. So I won't deep into it because I know Colleen just got That was one of my questions. It. it was a question that I asked her because I know, because being connected to YouTube, mm -hmm. I know. And so can you share with us? Let us know. So the standard American diet is just a whole bunch of sugar, a whole bunch of meat, and a whole bunch of carbs. And it is a disease's dream. Yeah. It is a feast for disease. And when you talk about rising cancer rates, cancer eats sugar. Carbs are sugar. Sugar obviously is sugar. So you're feeding all of this to your body and all you're doing is feeding the cancer cells that are ever present in your body. Because even if you are not a 
someone who is diagnosed with cancer. Cancer is just a cell that has gone wrong, if you will. And we'll body. have Shelby and Colleen back and on the show together. So yes. just wait for that one. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, that's gonna make me <laughs> but um, you know, from a young age, you're just really setting your kids up for failure. Yeah. So much of our food has chemicals that mm-hmm. are neurotoxins, and you know, babies' brains are developing, and kids' brains are still growing and still developing. So think about stunting that with yeah. all of the chemicals yep. that mm-hmm. come in the food, and there's just a better way. And I think that a lot of people think that feeding their kids fresh foods is time consuming, but it doesn't have to be. There's definitely a way to do it that's better. And what I do love is that you see a lot more accessibility of healthy foods mm-hmm. on the market now. I mean, you can go to Aldi and buy almond milk. Absolutely. And absolutely. They, they're totally revamping their entire Yes, um, and I think it's fantastic. Brand. I will yeah. not sit here and be the person who says everything that's vegan is healthy because mm-hmm. I do not agree with that. Um, but I think that there are a lot of better options, and you know, there's a lot of ways that you can kind of meal prep your food and make sure that you know, okay, this is the day I have off, and I'm going to take two hours and I'm just going to roast all of these vegetables, Absolutely. and then for the you know, separate them up, put them in the fridge, make a couple sauces, and then for the week you've got vegetables that are already cooked for your kids. So whatever takes the bulk of your time when cooking, if you could prep that so that when you get home and you're tired, all you have to do is toss a few things together and you have a healthy meal, then you do that. And I also think, and you talked about breakfast, and it's definitely the most important meal of the day. And I think that we do view breakfast as a sweet, sweet food, right? Because mm-hmm. we think of pancakes and French toast, yep. waffles. Um, but when I went vegan, and the first thing I gave up before I was vegan was eggs. Yes, I talked to you about that recently. And so, like, thinking about breakfast, yep. I was like, what do you even eat if you're not eating eggs? Like, what is breakfast? It totally, like blew my mind and just threw me for a loop. I love to cook. I love to invent things, but I just could not wrap my mind around a breakfast that didn't include sweets and that didn't include eggs. Like, what do you even eat, right? Because if it's not eggs... On some days, that's all I do eat, or eggs. Right. Yeah. Or you're eating, like, eggs and bacon Mm -hmm. and meat. So once I kicked all of those things out, breakfast just became another meal. And it's funny because I'll just have, like, sauteed vegetables for yeah. breakfast mm-hmm. and that's still breakfast mm-hmm. i mean you can have if you still want sweet you can have a smoothie or you can have i think smoothie bowls are a waste of time because they're really time consuming to make but kids love them yeah because they're colorful so yeah. that's i made them for a couple of friends um a couple weeks ago yeah they they're beautiful my brother um, and if, yeah, if you want to get fancy, that's the way to do it. Right. For but if you, if you want to <laughs> save time, to day, throw no. that thing in a blender, mm-hmm. blend it up, pour it in a cup, and right. roll out. And because <laughs> it takes a lot of time to make it pretty. It does. It but does. it's worth it for kids. I think it is so cool. Especially yeah. if you're yeah. usually like making. They can put their little toppings in there or whatever they want. And it's colorful. Yeah. And it's not yeah. food dye colorful, mm-hmm. it's just colorful. So I think that's great, but I, you know, there's so many, breakfast is just another meal and that's the best way that I can put it, but it's an important meal. So try and make it as colorful as possible. Mm -hmm. So maybe you have some like peppers 
and some type of sauteed green and some cauliflower. And this is where I, I will, I do want to put this in there. This is where exposure comes in mm -hmm. uh, because you're mentioning peppers and greens. If you're not exposing your kids to these things at an early, early time, you can't start introducing it when they're like 12. Right. Because they're not going to be receptive to it. They're like, they're what, what is that? Why are you giving me veggies? Like, they don't know. It. And, and, and really. But if your kids are this, 12, yeah. then introduce them to it anyway. Yeah. But a great way to get kids engaged and a great way to save money, especially, I try and go through the grocery store and let's not pretend like I don't already know. But whatever the most expensive vegetables are to buy, I grow them. Oh. So cucumbers are so expensive. They are. And Especially they're the easiest things to grow. They're so they grow out of your ear. They're I know, they're everywhere. They are. Scary. I'm not going to lie. It kind of reminds me of Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> they do go crazy. <laughs> they do go crazy. You, you want to put them in a corner like by mint. themselves. Kind of like mint does. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like a weed. Mint is really a weed. Yeah. I always think about you when I think about mint. Oh my God. Like, my mint is so crazy. much mint. So, um, yes. And grow vegetables. Yeah. My neighbor, her son is three, and he was so upset with his mom because they did not start their garden until a couple days ago. And he was like, oh, Auntie Lisa, that's my mom. Look at Auntie Lisa's garden. Where's our garden, mom? <laughs> we don't have any of our vegetables. And so they started planting this week, but he loves it. Mm. And he tries everything. What do you think about herbs and spices for they're so important. They are. Okay. Yes. Because for kids even? Yes. Even okay, so I want you to think about like the healthiest cultures. Do they consume lots of spicy food mm -hmm. and well-spiced food? Mm -hmm. Or is their food bland and European? Very true. So the more spices they... I mean, spices have health benefits. Yes. You're talking yes. about turmeric, mm -hmm. which is really anti-inflammatory, which has been known to kill cancer cells. Uh, it's antiviral. It is anti-inflammatory, antibacterial. It's so good for you. And you're adding that to your food. And, you know, the same can be said for pepper. Black pepper activates turmeric. So it gives it Black even pepper, more Black pepper, you would never even think about. Right. Just your basic staple. Basic black pepper. And if you're going to go salt, ditch the table salt. Please, Jesus. Please, y'all. Please, you. What? No nutrients Okay, in. you guys. Let me. Let, Shelby, let me interject. First of all, I didn't know anything about butter and eating margarine until Shelby came into my life. Oh, my God. It's so I don't food. consume margarine anymore because I remember. I don't even think I told you that. I remember you started working and you said something about butter. And internally, I was like, oh, my God. I've been buying country crop. Okay, so me and Tian actually um, we dumped the margarine and started using butter because you said that. I don't know that we even told you that. I don't remember. But you I remember you saying it was plastic, and I was like, "Oh my god! Do you know how many people I tell that?" <laughs> it is. Yes, it's, it's one it's molecule just, away from plastic. Yeah, it doesn't just, know what to do with it, so it just puts it in your fat cells. And then they are never able to break down because it destroys the fat cell. Just these little things that it. we don't, we just don't know. No, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, and that's why I'm saying nobody is the gatekeeper yeah. except for you. And it's really important, like with spices, not just 
for flavor. But I mean, if you're talking about trying to get kids to eat stuff, it has to taste good. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I one of the things that was really hard. I've been lucky that my family has been mostly receptive to all of these changes, mostly because I cook it and they're gonna cook what's eaten, but also because I am not light-handed with the spices. I am always heavy-handed, and I'm not just talking about like pepper that's gonna make things spicy. I'm just talking about flavor. So what can you share with us? What are you, besides turmeric, so, because I love turmeric and I have a daily blend that I use daily. With turmeric? Yes. I use a lot of smoked paprika. Mm. Love a good paprika, especially if you're trying to move away from um, lots of meat. Mm. Paprika is a good way to give that kind of like meaty, smoky earthiness that mm. you're looking for. I really don't care if the Italians think we use too much garlic. I love garlic. I do too. I will put garlic in everything. I will put <laughs> lots of garlic in everything. I put lots of onion in everything because mm. I think it is delicious. Um, but those are usually my blends. So I also have like a, a mushroom seasoning. Mm, and I a just mushroom want... seasoning. Yes. I have a pickling spice because of you. Do you? I do have a pickling spice that I got from French Time. I love to pickle. I know you I love do. Love pick pickle. Which is why I picked up a pickling spice. And pickling <laughs> is so easy, and it's such an easy way to get probiotics. Yes, yes, yes. I knew she was going to talk about that. In there, and you need those probiotics so that you can absorb your nutrients. I know that you think that it is your human cells that are breaking down nutrients and absorbing them so that your body can use them, but it's not. It's bacteria. And your body is more than 10 to 1 bacteria to human cells. So that means that you are more bug than you are human. You need to make sure you keep that balance because a lot of the meats we're eating have antibiotics in them. That's killing our bacteria. Oh, wow. A lot of, I mean, you just get prescribed antibiotics all the time, right? I mean, we're really heavy-handed on prescribing those. And if you're not putting them bacteria back in your system, right. good and bad because you need a balance, then... The bad gets to proliferate or grow. Yeah, yeah. So I I love to make collards, and that's I feel like everyone's like, oh my god, these actually taste really good, and everyone's surprised because it doesn't have a neck bone in it, and <laughs> or or what fat back? Yeah, yeah. A neck bone or fat back? Mine are vegan, and you know what? They just have a little bit of coconut aminos, which is a healthier version of soy sauce. It's a like a fermented soy sauce taste thing it has a lot of umami and umami means savory yes. but what it is it's this flavor of satisfaction Ooh, a Shelby, so it just a makes you feel nice and full um you want to add umami to your vegetable foods because a lot of times people are like oh i feel so i don't feel full after i eat and if you add this flavor of umami it's just like makes you actually feel full mm. and saturated, which is really important. Um, I remember, Shelby, when you did the Thanksgiving dinner mm -hmm. at work, um, and she made some very interesting things. It was all whole food, plant-based, and the biggest thing that I remember that you made was that black, new that mac and cheese. Oh, yeah. And you used black bean noodles. Mm -hmm. So the, the mac and cheese looked like it was blackish gray. I did not think those people were going to eat that. There was none left. Yeah, and it was a little overcooked. There were more greens left 
than there were that mac and cheese yes. that was vegan. Yes. And I don't think they even realized it. No. And didn't. to me, mm -hmm. I was like, this look grayish black. I don't know. <laughs> If I, but you ate it and it was delicious. And when I tell you it was none left, right. I was so shocked, Shelby. And listen, I have my fist up. I love black foods. I like the way they look. And I just, <laughs> anything for the power. My, my outfit's not all black today, but it usually is. It is. Um, it typically is. So that black bean pasta, when I found it, I was like, this is for me. <laughs> Who made this for me? And I'm a little mad at Trader Joe's right and now. Your people ate it, girl. Happy. Your people ate it. I am so serious. She had so many things on that well, in that dinner when people came. People that and it's not, I did not think they were gonna eat it, Shelby. It's not scary and it's not hard. Like sweet potatoes. How hard is it really to make them a little bit healthier? Yeah. Cause all you have to do instead of adding sugar to them oh, or Jesus, I had a, a boyfriend's mom that the sugar and the butter. Jesus, be a thing. And listen, was, if you've got to add the butter and you can't buy the very expensive vegan Miyoko's butter that I buy, but they sell it at Target and they sell it at Kroger now and it's typically on sale, so it's a little bit more accessible. But if you can't do that, then just use a little bit better oil, like avocado oil or something, because you, you know, just soften up your sweet potatoes. But use pineapple juice. It's another sweetness. thing Shelby did. Because you just At add dinner, a little bit more nutrients. She uses fruit juices. Yes, to sweeten. To sweeten. Mm -hmm. It was insane. Absolutely insane. I mean, there are and not all, we live in Indiana, so let's be real. We don't get fresh fruit all year round, and it's in, when we do get it, it's not always sweet. Mm -hmm. Capitalize on when it's sweet. I have bought berries here in the summer, like strawberries that were almost black. They were so juicy and sweet, and I froze them. Wow. Because I'm like, you know what? This is when they're the most nutrient-dense, so let me go ahead and freeze these, and I can use them later. I went back to um, the farmer's market where I got them, and I bought more. I made sorbet out of them because you just, I mean, that's just grinding it up in your mm -hmm. blender and it's a smoothie or it's sorbet if you put it in a bowl it's sorbet if awesome. you put it in a glass it's a smoothie right but i just think there there are really simple ways to eat a little bit healthier but even i know for your kids even for your kids and involve them in the kitchen because kids are inquisitive and i think that they will be more likely to try foods that they're not familiar with mm -hmm. if they helped make them. Yeah. And I know a lot of people hate mushrooms, so I need to plug mushrooms real quick because I love mushrooms. They're the meat of vegans. I agree. And there are so many different mushrooms. If you hate mushrooms because all you've ever had is canned white button mushrooms or just the regular old, regular regular mushrooms they sell at the store. Me. Just told me. I'm just like they're Persian, so Yeah. And those mushrooms are Okay, right? They're edible, but go to your farmer's market, go to your grocery store. It's definitely becoming more accessible to find things like oyster mushrooms, mm. which have a texture that's almost like chicken, like pulled chicken. Wow. Yeah. And a flavor like it too. So you can fry them, even though that's not the healthiest preparation, mm -hmm. but you, you know, use your normal seasonings and stuff, your old bay, whatever you have, and fry them up and they taste like chicken and you kind of lose some of that 
unhealthy, mm. unnecessary stuff, especially if you're somebody who is not buying like the free range, super organic, or even better from the farmer's market. So you can talk to your farmer about how they're raising the meat, because if you're going to eat meat, that's what you should be Absolutely. doing. Um, knowing where it's coming from, what's going into it. If you're not doing that, it's probably full of antibiotics and it's probably full of growth hormones, none of which you want in your body. So go ahead and get you some oyster mushrooms, which has none of that. There are mitoc mushrooms, which also have um, angiogenic properties, which means that they are cancer fighting. And it's also been shown to be really good for your brain health. And those also kind of have, like you can shred them and their texture is a little bit meatier, not quite as chicken-esque as oyster mushrooms, but close. Shiitakes, oh my gosh, they are the star of umami. If you want to add umami to a dish and you're just like, I want this to taste a little bit meatier, add shiitakes. And shiitakes are widely available. Portobellas are pretty good too. Um, they're really good to stuff because they can be pretty big and they're really good obviously in Italian dishes. But I cannot speak enough to shiitakes. They're good with everything mm. and I love them, but also, I make like red sauce with ground pecans. Mm. Think of your nuts a little bit differently. Yeah. Because they have that like kind of meaty, fatty, earthy flavor that you're looking for. And because they are fatty and oily, they kind of have that like texture that ground beef would have. And so I will do pecan meat, walnut meat. I mean, literally just get creative. You can make carrot into bacon. I'm gonna plug Tabitha Brown. Stacy just she did that. Is the best. It's so good. Stacy didn't. She said it was good. It's so easy and so fast. You just take a peeler and peel the carrot, and then add your little. If you don't want to do any sugar, you can do a little pineapple juice. You can do. I can't remember. She said to flavor it, it, but she's she was like Rona. It was. She was like it was it actually can be good. So simple. There's just so many ways to look at food, and I know that everybody is plugged into social media. And so really, if you know that you should be doing better, there's no excuse for not yeah. doing better because there's so many people out there who are giving this information away for free. Um, I love to use hearts of palm, mm. which is kind of like an artichoke. You can shred it up in the food processor, in the blender or with a fork and use it to make crab cakes, use it to make a crab mm. salad, yeah. just. You can make food in so many different ways. And I'm not saying that everyone has to give up meat, but crab is expensive, right? Absolutely. So if you could do like 50% crab and 50% artichoke, or not artichoke, you could use that too, hearts of palm, mm -hmm. then you're saving money. If you can't afford to always buy the really good ground beef from your farmer's market or the organic beef from the grocery store, then you could do 50-50 with black beans. Oh. So you can buy the better stuff and cut it with something that's a lot less expensive so that you can still feed your family something good. Do you see why I keep the lady near and dear to my heart? <laughs> do you see? <laughs> I'm sitting here like, what? Oh my gosh, oh, my sister's listening. That's <laughs> my gosh. Because I am always thinking, She's making these changes for herself, but she has two younger children right. who are in their teens who are at home. And my niece, Hi Kiesia, 
I we had a small discussion this past weekend about meat and stuff, and she's just like, ah, Auntie, I'm not doing that. I mean, she's a meat eater, you know. And to switch things up and to go vegetarian for her or vegan for her, like her mom has just done over the last month or two, is just mind-boggling to her. She's just like, no, I'm not eating that. Like, it's I, it's interesting, or it will be interesting to see how she pulls her kids along. Because I think at some point you will, like you said, get to, how can I be doing these things for myself but I'm not kind of integrating them into the lives of my children. And not right. to say that, you know, they're teens. Um, they may not adopt everything, but we need to begin talking to them about some of these principles. You know, maybe they're not as, as young as Zora, but, you know, they're, they're teens. So um, we can kind of put plug some of these things in and hopefully they'll adopt some of these things. Yeah, you know, definitely. Anywhere. I think there's a way to... And with teens, I wouldn't necessarily say sneak it in. I don't think that that works. Uh, my aunt in New Jersey, she tried to make a fully vegan lasagna for her family. No, ma'am. Her kids are, well, her husband was like, <laughs> you're not fooling anybody with this beyond me. I mean, maybe if you would have told us, we would have tried it anyway. But my cousins are 20, he'll be 26. 21 and 20 so they were all like no no what is this just tell us and i mean most of them still ate it but i don't think that's the way to go with teenagers or older kids it's more of an education and more just saying hey well why don't you just try this yeah i mean because they're they've been eating vegan unless you're someone who is putting lard and butter in everything You've had vegan food. Ah, that's you know a good point. I mean? That's a great point. Have you sautéed spinach? Yeah. You've had vegan food. Before. Yeah. So yeah. it's not very scary when you think about it. Yeah. That way. That's a great point, Joe. So even if it's just like, all right, they're gonna have their chicken, but you're gonna make all of their sides vegan. The potatoes are vegan. The sweet potatoes, the kale or the collards and the carrot, everything is vegan, and then you can have your meat. Yeah. Then eventually the meat gets smaller and smaller. Absolutely. Like you hope. Absolutely. But, I mean, with young kids, it's just like, do half and half work. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I think the sky's the limit at that point. Right. Because you can't introduce so much at that time. And I know my mom would, like, get on me for saying this, but um, because it wasn't true in our household. But I think for a lot of households, it was like, you eat what you're given. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I know it was that in our household. It was... It was kind of that in our household until my sister decided to be pescatarian <laughs> at 11. And so then it became Kayla gets what she's going to get. But she still, she wanted to be vegetarian. My mom was like, you play sports. No, because of course there's no education around it mm -hmm. um, at that point. So, I mean, my family is on the path. We're getting there. Oh, good. My good, good, good. not eating any more meat and... What? If only I could Listen, my, my dad is from Kentucky. My dad is from Corn, Kentucky, and I don't know. My dad made ribs Woo! and salmon this weekend on the smoker for everybody else and didn't have any of it. It's like the second time he's done that. That's he's awesome. been so good. Mostly, mostly vegan. Proud of my eat sister. A little bit of dairy sometimes. Yeah. My mom mostly eats vegan. I mean, she eats her vegan hot dogs, her vegan Me too. burgers, Me and too. stuff. And. Then, you know, just occasionally she has meat, but 
None of us eat meat, so it's really rare for it to be in the house. I explain it to people that I eat meat. Like, if I go to somebody else's house, like if and I'm at my sister's it. house, before, if she had some meat there, and that's what's available, of course. But at my house, I don't purchase meat, really. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Um, I'll purchase, I just had Beyond Meat sausage and Beyond Meat, you know, ground beef and the Beyond Meat burgers and I'll get some garden burgers or light and life burgers or, you know, chickpea, chick patties, you know, things like that. But I don't purchase meat because, A, I think it's expensive. Right. I, I think it's hella expensive. And if you're really thinking about cutting your grocery bill, I didn't have an issue when COVID happened when I went to the grocery store because I ate fresh food. Right. So yes. the meat section was empty, but that ain't what I was looking for. I was looking for all of the fresh things that I knew that were going to be available. And there was plenty for me. So there was no food shortage for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really do think, you know, people really need to think about um, just how beneficial, you know, eating whole food plant-based and really introducing those things to your children at a very early age um, will benefit them tremendously. Yeah. And I will say, like, in my personal anecdote experience my best friend her first her oldest son is six and he was breastfed for three and a half years and when she introduced food she did do baby led weaning so she kind of put foods out on a blanket for him and he just explored and tried different things he was about five and a half months too and he is the best eater oh and in retrospect i have to say this what i'm about to tell you makes me cringe but I didn't know any better then. But when he was about like two years old, maybe, yeah, I had this kombucha that I was drinking and it was green and it had chia seeds in it. And he was just staring at it and I was like, Oliver, do you want to try it? And he was like, yeah. And I let him drink the whole thing because I was so in awe of the fact that this child was drinking this kombucha, which to most people tastes like vinegar. And in retrospect, I am horrified. That's what Jennifer said. Tastes like vinegar. I never got that it tastes like vinegar. I do, but I like vinegar, so it's okay. I never thought about that. But I feel bad because it's like caffeinated (gasps) to a child and had chia seeds. He probably never went to sleep. (laughs) But, um... And I didn't know any better then, but just that to say that Oliver is a great eater and her youngest started eating a lot earlier. Um, not earlier, but he just started eating differently because his brother was eating and he mm-hmm. wanted to eat what his brother was eating and he is such a picky eater because he didn't go through the same process. And so that's just a small, you know, example of how introducing foods to kids early on makes a difference yeah. in what they want to eat. Mm-hmm. So if you do have young kids, just introduce it to them. And like I said, there's so many ways to make it fun and engaging. Mm-hmm. Help them grow plants. Even if it's just like having a little potted tomato plant Absolutely. in your house, a little potted pepper plant in your house. Just It's so exciting for us. And having plants and talking to them is a great way of to have self-care mm-hmm. and a great way to release. Um, I really do think it's healing, but it also is really good for them to see where food comes from and to understand where food comes from. It makes them more engaged in the process of eating in the future and more questioning about, huh, well, I know a pepper comes from here. Absolutely. So like, what is this? Or I saw a sweet potato come out of the ground, so how did it end up in this can? Yeah. You know? 
I just think having those conversations with your children and, and really including them in the process as much as you can. And I know it's not always feasible, but as much as you can. Yeah, absolutely. We can all do a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Shelby, it's been a great conversation. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing with us um, just about where you've been, um, where you're going, um, anything you want to leave any of the moms with when it comes to maternal and child health and introducing your child to new foods mm -hmm. or just being an African-American mom um, in this time, um, in this world, yeah. um, what can you leave us with? Advocate for yourself, love yourself, and put yourself in the top tier as much as possible. But really advocate for yourself. And part of advocating for yourself is definitely educating yourself and making sure that you are the gatekeeper of your own health. Mm -hmm. Whether it's in food or navigating the healthcare system, just make sure that you get the care that you need and that you're taking care of yourself too. Awesome, awesome. You guys, we are Road Trip to Wellness and we were just with Shelby Royster, uh, health coach and breastfeeding consultant. If you have any questions about anything, Shelby, where can we find you? Um, is there any places and spaces? Shelby was a health coach. She is a health coach, uh, but she's a new mom now, so she is not in the spaces that she is typically in. So I don't know if you want to share that information um, or if they can find you just to ask questions um, just about um, maternal and child health um, information, um, whether it be from the state or just tips on, you know, mommy. Um, yeah. I am on social media. I'm on Instagram as Shelby D. Royster with a Y. And you can find me there. And I do post some recipes. Mostly it's adorable pictures of my daughter. <laughs> and, you know, I plan on moving forward in this space. I'm in school for global health. So I'm just navigating a lot going on right now. Yep, but yep. I am always happy to be here and to be an advocate and a friend and a listening ear if you need. Well, she will definitely be back. Um, as she said, she is finishing school right now, but I know she is not far behind, which is why I included some of this nutrition conversation. She is just a wealth of information and just an amazing person who really, really loves and cares for her community, for her African-American community and for her people. Um, and so I just know that you're gonna be amazing when you get done with the global health. Um, and we look forward to having you back at Road Trip to Wellness at any time. And we will have her back. What? To share with us on all of the things um, that are happening within um, the health space. So thank you so much, Shelby. Thank you and for having me. Of course, of course, of course. Thanks for being here. Um, look for us on uh, this Sunday at 6 p.m. with the Listen In Experience on Facebook Live. Road Trip to Wellness will be um, having a conversation with a few other women in wellness, which is the topic this week. Um, so we'll just be talking about our experiences in the wellness space, um, what we are seeing. I'll be talking a lot about um, food access and insecurity um, and the spaces that I've navigated as an African-American woman. So take a listen at 6 p.m. this Sunday um, on Facebook Live and we will see you all and talk to you all very, very soon. Thanks for being with us.